welcome to the Rankings Podcast and Answers the Age Old Question. What are our guest hosts' favorite queer movies? I'm Danny Weiser. With me as always is, oh, no, not as always. With me this week, yeah, wow. two very special guests that have very kindly agreed to take over for this episode. It's Mackenzie and Rachel. Hello. Hi. We're already doing that annoying couple thing where we laugh and talk and do everything in unison. So that's good. <laughs> so good. Um, how are you guys doing? Pretty good. Pretty pretty fab. You know, long weekend. The vibes are great. I'm wearing my gay little robe in honor of this gay little episode. <laughs> you are. You are. You look great. Thank you. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, Mackenzie, I'm going to get into a little bit at the end of the episode, but can you do a quick, like, here's the podcast I'm working on right now? Yeah, right now? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I do some movie podcasts. I do a podcast called On Lynch that hasn't been updated in like four months. Uh, I see all your DMs. I promise I will do it again eventually. <laughs> but that is like a David Lynch retrospective podcast I do in my what is now little free time I have. Uh, and then I do a podcast with uh, my bestie, Kev, who I believe has been on Rankings, hasn't he? Has he been yeah. here yet? Yeah, he's been on a few yeah. times. He sends in a voicemail most weeks, I think, at this point. <laughs> we love Kev. America's sweetheart. Yes. America's sweetheart, Kev. Uh, we do Austin Danger Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating the trilogy that is the Austin Powers series and mostly just watching movies connected to those. Uh, and then I also do a TV podcast called Wisteria Gaze with my other bestie, Ned, where we just watch and talk about the Desperate Housewives television series that ended a long time ago. Uh, and yeah, I'm just here with my, my, my betrothed, my fiance, <laughs> my future wife, Rachel, who isn't podcasting other than hanging out with me. Yeah, occasionally I do guest, guest spots with my wife. <laughs> yeah. And I did listen to a little bit of Dungeon Wives. It was the cutest the cutest thing i've ever heard in my entire life it was so much fun so yeah if you want I like 20 ish hours of an uncompleted dungeons and dragons campaign that's your thing boy uh, have we got the yeah, podcast <laughs> if you want an open-ended D campaign that is may come back one day may never come back ever uh dungeon wives was a show we did together uh for a long time i love it uh sweet i um I'm excited to have to do this with you, Mackenzie. I've been trying to get you on rankings for a long time. We play D and D together. Um, we do. We're playing tonight. Two, two, three times a month. Yeah, I f- forgot that we were playing tonight <laughs> until a little bit earlier. I was like, "What?" Well, Mackenzie has to hang out with me so much tonight. Um, yeah. But we've God. we've been trying to get you on rankings for a long, long, long time. So I'm so excited that we're doing this. But it's very. Uh, we asked a lot of you is to, instead of just, hey, come on and judge an episode, it's like, hey, do the whole episode for us. <laughs> nah. Let us take the week off, please. So, Thankfully, I love talking, so <laughs> you're good. Perfect. And I don't have to record an entire episode with Ty, and so it's just a huge, huge, like, <clears throat> big deal for me. Normally, I have to record two episodes a week with him, and I'm recording, like, half of an episode this week with him, so I'm having an incredible week. So. <laughs> Um, <laughs> a tangent. Yes, yes, that is that's a good that's a oh, song. yeah, that's, okay. yeah. that's the whole bed. show. That's yeah. the whole show. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, if you guys are ready, uh, I say let's go ahead and dive right in. We are we are ranking queer movies this week, and so yes. did you guys give yourselves any rules? Is it like did the movie have to focus entirely on a gay relationship, or did it just have oh. to feature one, or did we think that far? ahead i usually don't but ty likes to give himself rules a lot i don't think i gave myself many rules except uh in the interest of full disclosure we all we all we both love all of these movies yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. um i think i took the more i said before decom route the disney com (laughs) the rom-com light-hearted fair um because i'm not as well versed in 
art film. <laughs> yeah. I definitely went in like a, a weirder direction, but yeah, I guess I, there were just movies I've always assumed were queer. Like, I guess I, I would say all of our films have heavily feature mm-hmm. slash star or focus on queer narratives. Yeah. I don't think we have any that have like tangential queer characters. Or like maybe they're queer. Yeah. They're all, they're yeah. all hashtag confirmed. Yeah. So I don't think we did any rules, but we definitely made sure we didn't do too much overlap, even mm-hmm. though we mm-hmm. both love all 20 of these movies. 26, yeah. give or take, oh, yes. with the with the honorable mentions. Yeah. Can I say that? Sweet. I did drop in a handful of heavier movies, but I feel like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes yeah. a movie is just good. It makes sense. They yeah. make sense, on. I feel that. Uh, sweet. Well, Rachel, your list A, if you want to go ahead and get started with your honorable mentions. Absolutely. So to start off, the movie Pride, very aptly named. Um, it, this is my shame movie because I haven't seen it. <laughs> I thought okay. it was honorable mentions because it's everything that I love in a movie. Mm. Um, gay people and uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> workers uniting against unjust forces. Right. Um, it is about the uh, political union between gay rights groups and, uh, oh my gosh, minors groups in England. Um, and it looks fantastic. It features a, a, an oft-quoted line for a movie we haven't seen, which is, where are my lesbians? Where are, where are they? Where are they? <laughs> um, so that's my number one spot. It's basically just a reminder to watch it. My second one is going to be Controversial. It's Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Which mm-hmm. I know is like the ultimate the number one sapphic French film yeah. uh, spawned <laughs> countless uh, memes and such of the the type of films that that we lesbians and bisexual women and other sapphic uh, people can hope to expect, which is uh, silent French yearning. Um, <laughs> but it's it's good. I would feel weird not having it mentioned. And the third one is Benedetta because I love yeah. a wrathful gay nun. Nuts. Who does? What else honestly? do you need? I love Benedetta so much. It's so, so weird, and we loved it. I know. I feel like it was very divisive. Like a lot yeah. of queer people did not, and I was like, I'm here for it. I'm ready. I'm obsessed. I didn't say it's weird. I'm not sure it was weird enough. I feel like that's why it ultimately couldn't go on my top ten. As mm. I was like, I could, I could get weirder, but um. <laughs> It was weird enough. Verhoeven, the honorable mention. Verhoeven has given us so much between sh- Showgirls and Benedetta. <laughs> I, I don't know how to thank him, honestly. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, all right, Mackenzie, your list B. Yeah, so my top honorable mention, my number one is Fight Club, which I recently watched <laughs> for the first time. And I've put it in my honorable mention because I do think that it is, not, though the subtext is the gayest shit I've ever seen in my entire life. This is the gayest movie I've ever seen. It's like literally White Club. Every second it's happening, I'm like, this is the gayest movie I've ever seen. But it's also steeped in a lot of, um, you know, controversy for breeding a whole generation of toxic males uh, and toxic. Completely by itself. (laughs) Yeah. And so, but it was so funny because I watched it and I was like, how did anyone get that from this movie? Like, I do get it, but it's like, I don't know, just clearly like a, queer breakdown of that type of masculinity and i just think it's gay as hell and i love it yeah you talked and, about it on a recent episode of, of uh austin danger pod i don't remember yes. which one but the way you broke it down is the funniest thing i've ever heard so people go listen <laughs> no to it's danger it's pod. so queer i love it so much the writer of the book you know is a gay man i think that the three my three honorable mentions definitely have creators who are queer who maybe didn't intentionally make the text of their work queer but that it came out and going into that my second Honorable mention is The Matrix, which is amazing by the Wachowskis. I think it's 
pretty well documented now that it's uh, absolutely a trans narrative and an allegory for for transness and I think that's fabulous and I also think it's one of the best movies that's ever been made on this entire earth uh, and you will not this is not the last you will see of the Wachowskis because they I love them so much and my third honorable mention is one of my favorite movies of all time Batman and Robin 1997 yes. Yes. The, I- <laughs> the iconic Joel Schumacher gay as hell brought his gay camp to Batman and I, I think that um, his movies are well hated I love them I think a lot of queer people love them because they are so queer but it's, this one is so explosively queer to me like Bane looks like a leather daddy Poison Ivy is just a full ass drag queen you know the homoerotic Batman and Robin stuff the bat nipples you know it looks like a, a little play like a gay playground like it's such a fun movie and I do think that Joel Schumacher's identity as a gay man infused into this sort of style that he brought to the films, and I just love them. Yeah, that that movie came up a couple of weeks ago on an episode of this. We did uh, we ranked fictional crimes, and the <laughs> opening where they're stealing that diamond that turns into an ice <laughs> hockey game yes. is one of my favorite one of my favorite things in the entire world. I uh, just also I, sorry, go ahead. Um, I wish I could have a super cut of every Poison Ivy line just playing constantly in my ears because I just love, that's what Lady I said when I pulled her plug. Like, like the, cra- the craziest. Like, Uma Thurman is objectively a great actress, and I don't know what she's doing in Batman and Robin, she's doing her best. but I love it. She's doing Also, I found the quote, the, uh, the Fight Club quote. It's, it just felt like the Fight Club was this weird gay speakeasy. I laughed yes. so hard I cried while I was driving after you said that the other day. I mean, it's these men. They go to a private place to take their clothes off and, and touch each other. Excuse me? It's so good. <laughs> it's great. It's great. I love it. So good. Uh, all right, Rachel, let's start with your number 10. All right. My number 10 pick is Booksmart. So good. Uh, yes, it's the, the 2019 American coming-of-age buddy comedy film directed by Olivia Wilde uh, about two teenagers who have always considered themselves to be book smart, finding out that you don't have to shun parties and fun to end up in Harvard because uh, they find all their classmates landed great scholarships elsewhere and they're like, oh man, we missed out. And what I love about this movie is that uh, one of those best friends, half the buddy comedy buddies, is a lesbian. She's just gay. And she, uh, it's, it's refreshing for me to see queerness just kind of casually being there and it not being subtext. She has this crush on a girl and, and things happen and it doesn't work out and she's embarrassed, but then she accidentally ends up with this other girl in this new exciting way, but then she embarrasses herself again. And it's, it's like beats that you see all the time uh, with ostensibly straight and cis high schoolers in these in these films but it's it's good to see a lesbian make a fool of herself (laughs) but in a sweet and endearing way it's good to see uh her to get support and to have her gayness not be like the crux upon which her arc hinges she is just gay and 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 having a terrible time at a high school party and that's representation for me (laughs) That's so good. I love Booksmart so much. It's also my favorite of a genre that I realized that I love that they're starting to make like one of these a year, which is the like 
uh, fish out of water high schoolers are trying to get to a party <laughs> and they can't get there. Like a plan, they made Plan B last year. I don't know if you guys watched that. No. Um, but it's it's the same genre. It's just this like we're trying to get awkward high schoolers trying to get from a, point A to point B and shenanigans happen that prevent them from getting there. And it's a genre that they keep making these movies and I love every single one of them. But Booksmart's so good. A, it's a good reminder of like all those huge huge feelings you had yeah. crammed into relatively tiny bodies and unformed brains it's it's <laughs> it's an epic it's just an epic story of 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 begging not to be perceived while also <laughs> desperately needing someone to see you at the same time and mm. that's pre- that's pretty that's pretty queer in my opinion yeah and i think it makes me think of the same year i believe love simon came out mm-hmm. which is not landing on either of our lists but it's a great movie i think love simon is so cute i think sometimes people hate on it cuz he's very straight passing but that's, you know, I think he's a cute kid. I think it's a cute movie. But the entirety of that movie is this really hard coming out narrative. And it's yeah. like the entire movie is, I, I was moved. I cried. You know, I admit it. I it love that movie. Its, it has its purpose for sure. But it's nice that Booksmart, uh, it, that's not her narrative at all. Yeah. Like what you said. Like I, I think about how those movies came out the same year and they're two very different high yeah. school queer experiences. She's there to have like a horrible drug trip. Yeah. And, it's not uh, about her queerness. It's just her being a teenager. Yeah. Yeah. Not just have a but I, I do have that, yeah. that drug sequence <laughs> imprinted on the back of my eyelids. It's a good uh, scene. No spoilers, but you'll never look at Barbies the same way again. <laughs> That's going to be the so tagline good. for the new for the new, <laughs> for the new Greta movie. <laughs> you'll never look at Barbies the same way again. So good. Uh, okay, Mackenzie, you're number 10. My number 10, which is, it's weird that it's this low on my list, um, but Desert Hearts, mm. uh, 1985, Donna Deitch. Uh, it's in the Criterion Collection, oh. <laughs> pushing my glasses up. Uh, it's really gorgeous. It's one of those movies my friend showed me, my friend Ned, and I thought it was cool, but it really slow. It like didn't quite land with me the first time I watched it because I was like, this is weird. Um, and then Rachel sort of unlocked Pandora's box with an obsession with the Criterion, uh, having a physical collection by um, buying me Moonstruck, another movie I love, and Desert Hearts um, on Criterion. And I watched it again, and I don't know, it just, like, it's become a comfort movie. It is a very soft, um, sapphic cowboy vibes movie about a, a professor who's going through a divorce who goes to Reno to just stay at a at a um, kind of just home, like a... a I don't it's even one know of those 50s, Yeah, like, 50s, like, you just stay at a at weird... this boarding house because <laughs> yeah. your life's falling apart. <laughs> um, yeah, because it's, like, set in the 50s, and... Um, and she meets the daughter-ish daughter figure of the woman who runs that house, who's like this plucky, bright, young lesbian. And they kind of just have this tryst that turns into a deep affection and love where they both kind of grow in the ways they need to grow by being with one another. And um, it's, it's, it's always very much mentioned on lists of queer films with a happy ending. Because mm-hmm. oftentimes, and I don't think this necessarily makes it an automatically bad movie. Mm-hmm. I understand that people want happy endings. I think that sometimes the sad endings matter to the narrative and should be there. But it is nice to have some like cute, fluffy movies sometimes. And this is one of those. Like they, These characters, there's like one scene of the classic homophobia of like, I never want to see you again um, kind of thing. But it's never like overtly painful. It all makes sense. Francis is this character in the film who's the mother figure. And actually, she's the one who has these homophobic scenes, but her portrayal of a homophobic family member is the most accurate I've probably ever seen in a movie because she has this amazing scene near the end where she talks to Kay, her daughter figure, and is like, I'm never going to understand this. 
And then that's a lie. She will. She'll come around. But she loves this person so much that she's like, I love you. Like, it hurts me to feel this way because I love you so much. And being queer with family is very complicated. And yeah. sometimes it's like, I feel like media portrays it as like very black or white, but it's oftentimes very gray and very um, like this. They will not get these parts of you, but they love you a lot and they, they want to try and people need time to grow into that. And I think this movie portrays that really beautifully. And it was directed by a lesbian and had a happy ending and came out in the mid eighties was kind of this weird in the middle of the AIDS crisis, like it was just kind of an anomaly of this like queer, happy movie directed by a queer person that came out in the midst of a lot of horrific stuff happening to queer people. And so I just think it's a bit of a miracle and I love this movie and it's soft and sweet and it, it's just a, gorgeous. The cinematography is amazing. It's, it's just a beautiful film. It, it will envelop you like a warm blanket and that's why <laughs> I, I love Desert Hearts. It's so good. I recommend it to everyone I meet. Sweet. Uh, okay, Rachel, you're number nine. My number nine is 2014's Appropriate Behavior, <laughs> written by, directed by, and starring Desiree Akhavan, who is one of my favorite um, queer artists out there. Definitely check her stuff out. Um, it is about a bisexual Persian-American woman in Brooklyn struggling in the wake of a pretty horrific breakup. And um, I don't know. I really like messy. I like mess. I'm a big fan of mess. I love watching uh, people who are struggling, continue to struggle, and maybe not even learn anything. (laughs) I don't know if that's just like the the late 20s vibe over here, but I I especially love it when queer people get to um, make incredibly juvenile mistakes. And it is a very poignant... (laughs) is a, a nice way of putting it, is a poignant uh, depiction of you after a destabilizing breakup where you had like poured a lot of your identity into this relationship and now that relationship is gone. So like she goes from like living in this very neat, uh, fun little New York apartment to like she has to go have a roommate and in like this tiny apartment and she's like, 30 and surrounded by college students and is feeling very weird about it because it's not where she thought she was going to end up at this point in her life. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's one of those things where like the queerness is not incidental at all. She very much is like visibly, (laughs) whatever that means, visibly queer and struggling with queerness, especially with regards to her family, similarly with Desert That was a great scene. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to, to figure out how to navigate that gray space of like, you're my kid and I love you, but I can't, I can't support this part of you right now. And I don't know if I ever will. I'm being like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm your kid and I love you. And even though this is a big part of me, sometimes you do have to say like, we just don't talk about it or, you know, now, and, and that's what you do with that information is now entirely out of my hands. Um, I just, uh, I love a queer fuck up and Desiree Akhavan writes such beautiful queer fuck ups, uh, you can you can you can hate them. You can love them. You end up doing both over the course of the film, and uh, for me especially, it's uh, difficult to find quote unquote bisexual representation that doesn't feel schlocky. Mm-hmm. And I say that as someone who loved the bi- the very brief bisexual uh, storyline on the OC. <laughs> it was like three episodes, and I was like, "This is it. <laughs> this is it for me. I'm 12, and this is it." Um, but uh, I don't know. She just, uh, I love I love that she's just there being bisexual and that's enough. 
Sweet. And that's my that's my rant on. Look at you, Desiree Akavan. I think I have a low rating on this because I feel like last time I watched this, oh. I remember not liking it, yeah. but I should I mean, watch it is, again probably. It's not even. I want. I can't even call. It, like, is it a likable film? What is a likable <laughs> film? Am I gonna like this experience or am I just gonna like get through it? And I mean, for between, me, yeah. I don't know. That's enough for me. Between this and like the bisexual, which is the other piece yes. I've seen her do, I, I, I tend to appreciate her as a performer and writer and director, but not necessarily love the the, the piece. Yeah, she doesn't. She does not care if no. If you she, find it's messy. And if you find unlikable. her story or her characters sympathetic, necessarily, which is kind of freeing. Because, yeah. I, you know, not everybody can be sympathetic all the time. And sometimes I'm, I'm not necessarily looking for representation where I am sympathized with so much as I'm allowed to be the worst. Yeah. 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 I respect the talent. I think she's great. <laughs> also, I love that you brought up the OC. I've joked multiple times to Ty about, like, we should just start an OC rewatch podcast. Oh, if you do... Get us on. <laughs> Number one fan. Rachel, Perfect. I have the, we have the box set. Have Rachel the box loves set. the OC. It is who and nothing has shaped my personality more than you know what I like about rich kids? Punch. <laughs> nothing. Yeah. Beautiful. I Old-timer. need to be Sandy Cohen. Like, physically, I need to be that man because he has perfect eyebrows, perfect hair, great family, great job. He has his schmear. He's a beauty. He, I, I'm obsessed with Sandy Cohen. I want to be what him more, when I grow what up. What more could one need? What more could a man need? <laughs> we'll be doing a fictional dads episode at some point, oh. and I, it's, I am almost certain Sandy Cohen will be the number one on my list. He is mm. the best fictional dad mm. of all time. I'm obsessed with Sandy Cohen. Yeah. Spoiler alert for a future episode, by the way, listeners. Um, <laughs> all right, uh, Mackenzie, you're number nine. Um, yes. Yeah, so I, I went big with my number nine. 1975, The Rocky Horror Picture Show. I think this is a movie probably any listener probably has heard of because it is, it, it is like the quintessential queer cult classic, I think. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like I needed to include it just on the basis of, of that alone. Like it's, there were some movies I included where I was like, well, I can't not talk about this. Um, I watched Rocky Horror when I was like seven with my cousins. <laughs> totally inappropriate to watch. We put a blanket over the TV so no one could see what we were yeah, watching. That, that doesn't. No one can see or hear what's going on underneath there. <laughs> I, we, were, we were never interrupted. And I, I don't think I knew what was going on. Like, I really think I was just sort of like, whoa, bright colors. And then just like just hanging out with my cool cousins. Because they showed me like Goosebumps episodes of Terror. They showed me a lot of stuff I should not have watched. Um, and... I never watched it again because I just kind of watched it with them. And then when I was 14, <laughs> I ended up, uh, my mom, my mom's friend was like, oh, let's watch this. And I was like, oh, okay. And uh, as a 14-year-old, I then could tell what was going on in a lot of scenes. The <laughs> silhouetted scene, if anyone knows what I'm talking about, where there's absolutely a lot of oral sex happening. I did not pick that up when I was seven. And, you went on your own little um, hero's I journey. I went on a little hero's journey. <laughs> and as a 14-year-old, I was like, holy shit. But also, I was just wowed by how fabulous and weird and fucked up and t- fantastic it was. And um, it definitely birthed a love of like cult classics and that type of musical. I want to kind of side honorable mention Shock Treatment, which is the second movie made by the people that made Rocky Horror that I also love. Like, it kind of birthed this love of these types of movies. And I just think it's classic. I think Tim Curry as Frankenfurter is one of the best performances in the history of film. He is just, he's sexy and weird and fabulous and amazing. And Tim Curry is just the goat. I love him in anything he does. It's just such a fun cast. The music's great. It's, it's, it is just the quintessential 
Halloween queer yeah. musical to me, and I, I I just love it so much. So we should watch it again because I haven't watched it in forever. But I and say what you will about Rocky Horror Picture Show, but once you see it, you absolutely never go back. There is before Rocky Horror and there's after Rocky Horror. Yes. It opens up a without without like uh, hyperbole. It opens up a whole new world of presentation and fun and I don't know. It's very. I know it's your pick, but I love no, it. No, please. <laughs> we love each other's movies. No, I mean, I feel like it's it's maybe not the most, I would say, adventurous even in terms of, like, gender and sexuality. But it does, it is, like, a good gateway to kind of films like that that were coming out. Like, there was so much queer art house shit happening in the 70s, like, between, like, lesbian filmmakers like Barbara Hammer and, like, Andy Warhol and, like, just a ton of, like, weird experimental queer underground art was coming out. And it was all just loose and free and, like, we don't give a fuck what you think about us. I think Rocky Horror is a good, like, popular choice for that type of genre. Um, Yeah, I fucking love Rocky Horror. Are you kidding me? Sweet. Great pick. Um, Rachel, you're number eight. Also, I hope we can cuss because I've been cussing. I realized I... uh, So sorry. I don't know if this is a family-friendly show. Throw an explicit tag on this one. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So number eight for me is Debs. Yes. Oh my god. This is oh yes. Have you seen it? <laughs> what a throwback. It's, as a kid, yeah. I when I when I call my list the decom list, it's one hundred percent because of this one because it does feel like a decom <laughs> movie mm-hmm. made for me. I'm obsessed with it. Uh Jimmy Simpson's in it? Like how much more specific to my interests can you get? Um do I do love watching this and like half like remembering halfway through he's in it and going, Oh my god, the guy from Westworld. Um, <laughs> basically it's like, it's like the, I mean, I'm, I'm not even going to shit on this. It's a fantastic concept. Yeah, yes. Mm. These People high, school, these all high time. schoolers take the SATs and that lets the government know that they're ready to be spies. And <laughs> sometimes you are the most popular preppy girl in spy high school and you fall in love with the world's most evil criminal mastermind. And then you and your friends deal with that by going through a series of... I, I, I truly cannot adequately describe what this movie did to my brain. <laughs> because, you know, you, you come out and people are like, oh, here are a bunch of incredibly sad movies to watch. And you're like, yes, I should take the weight of being queer upon my 19-year-old shoulders and carry that forward with me. Um, and that's good. It's good. Don't get me wrong, but... <laughs> what is it? what is the the montage set to the name of the song? Oh, I don't know. I'm I don't blanking. know. It's I'm just thinking about them like casually setting up Lucy Diamond with like a Russian. Uh, yeah, like, like they they interrupt her blind date <laughs> to with, like shoot her. Yeah, yeah, with some other like horrible criminal mastermind, and she's not having it. Lucy Diamond is like, oh, I'm so tired of being set up with these girls who are only interested in murder. Spud is the best straight boy best friend to a gay person in any movie ever. Yeah, I love yeah. him so much. I don't want to harp too much on Jimmy Simpson's role in this, but it was very refreshing for me to be like, oh, you're the straight best friend. Yes. You're, you're there to further <laughs> the gay plot. That's your role. You're just there to be straight and, and supportive. That's what you do. <laughs> and I, I was, it was good for me to see that um, for a variety of reasons. Um, but yeah, like it's just like a little rom-com about spies. Uh, and Holland Taylor's in it. Thank God. 
I, what what do I need to tell you to, to watch this yeah. movie? You know, like what Nothing else? Knows. What else do you need? Holland Taylor is in the two best movies ever made, and those are Debs and George of the Jungle. You get terrible stunt work. <laughs> you get you get silly little montages set to silly little <gasps> songs. You get that erasure. It, yes. I like to discover. Uh, yes. Something to make me sweeter. That song slaps. Oh yeah. oh yeah. You get a little rom com montage to erasure. You get uh, a meet cute in a grunge bar question mark and it just kind of looks like they did actually go to a grunge bar and were like hey are y'all cool with being extras because everybody was doing their little do 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 well that's that's sandstorm by darude but okay you know they're just they're just having i don't know it's it's a gorgeous little silly piece of popcorn for any time of the year any time of the day we don't get a lot of popcorn movies no we don't so they do feel more significant i put a lot of pressure on the popcorn movies to to do a lot of the heavy lifting but like for my mental health for for my (laughs) mental health um but if you do need something to help you with your gay mental health deb's is perfect gay little rom-com directed by angela robinson as well i believe does she do it directed that because angela robinson did um a yes. movie called Itty Bitty Titty Committee, and she was a big director on The L Word, so she was a very queer creator at that time. Oh yeah, it's like here's here's some ultimately my pitch: you watched Charlie's Angels, you felt that it yes. should be gay, yes. you were let down. Here is your antidote. Watch Dubs. Wow. Boom. That's not the best sales pitch I've ever heard. <laughs> Charlie's and Angels is also amazing. And Megan Good's in it, so that's not enough for you. Yes, movie, and you know? Devin Aoki. Yes. Yeah. If you watch The Fast and the Furious, I don't know. I feel like Goodness. she was in those movies, and I don't know where she went. Yeah. <laughs> what a, I haven't seen Deb's probably since like right after it came out, but I remember it came on like a, like TNT or TBS that's or so ABC wild. Family or something that's one fantastic. day. And I was like, this is the best movie I've ever seen. Uh, but of course, I haven't seen it since. Okay. That's crazy. I'm give to it me. one more pitch. Remember when uh, okay. rom coms didn't have to have a plot and it was just like, here are a series <laughs> of bits that we want to get to, and here are a yeah. series of tropes we would like to explore, and however we get there is what we're going to call the plot? Yeah. That's the Chef's kiss. <laughs> a plus. Uh, sweet. Mackenzie, you're number eight. Yes, for my number eight, I picked The Watermelon Woman, which is, I think, 1995? I don't have my stats pulled up. I'm just winging it. Uh, Cheryl Dunier wrote, (coughs) directed, and starred in this. Um, And I just think The Watermelon Woman is awesome. We watched it. I don't even know how we found it, but we watched it, and we're just blown away at how good it is. And I'm like, why is no one talking about this movie? Like, It makes me feel crazy that no one talks about this movie when it is one of the best um, specifically like lesbian romantic comedies kind of, but it's also more of an exploration of identity. And um, there's also like a severe lack, like a lot of queer movies are very white. Uh, and it, there's just a severe lack of like black queer films. And mm-hmm. this one is such an amazing black queer film because it's about um, a young filmmaker named Cheryl. She kind of plays like herself a bit as the director and the actor. And she f- finds these um, these kind of old kind of racist black and white movies think gone with the wind and sees these um these black female characters and there's this one woman who's always just credited as the watermelon woman um that she she just wants to find this actress she's like why do i why do we know nothing about this woman she was in all these movies and we don't know who she is and i want to find her and so she's going on this like search for identity of who this woman is while she's also working at a video store so there's great like 90s video store aesthetics um, and she's kind of having a bit of a tryst with this girl at the video store. 
And it's just kind of this great, she ends up finding out that this actress was, was queer. And then like, oh my God, like our histories are actively being hidden from us. And it's just a really um, sweet, quick little romantic, fun movie about so much of queer history gets lost because people didn't think it was like worth remembering. And we as queer people today need to actively preserve that history or it will go away forever. And that's kind of what it feels like, but it also is super funny. It's super sexy. There's fun little like conversations about just dating and being gay. And it's just, it's all so realistic and very cool. And it was coming out in the mid nineties when there was a lot of like, kind of indie lesbian things going on. There's another movie called Go Fish that's not on my list, but I love that fits into that same... It's to the point where, like, the writer and actor in Go Fish was the love interest in this. Like, they were all, like, <laughs> friends making movies together. And uh, The Watermelon Woman is just an amazing example of, I think, mid-'90s new queer cinema. Um, wonderful filmmaking. And I just think it's... I think more people need to know about this movie. Like, I don't know what I need to do to get more people to find Cheryl Dunier's work, but she has really great short films as well that you can like rent uh, and watch like 10 of her short films at the same time. She's just a great filmmaker and uh, yeah, I love her. Sweet. Uh, Rachel, your number seven. My number seven is The Favorite, <laughs> which is interestingly enough, uh, if you can Google stuff like, and I, I will fully admit that I did this, my, my little hamster on the wheel of my brain falls off frequently. Uh, so sometimes- <laughs> I can't pull 10 movies that I've watched off the top of my head, much less 10 queer films. Um, oh, there's not of... there's not been an episode of this show that I haven't spent at least an hour like Googling oh, what yeah. is the what are the top ten, blah blah blah. So oh, I Oh yeah. Sometimes you just need a little Tell job. me what I know, please. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. Um I never see this one on lists that mm. are like the best queer movies to watch during Pride Month or whatever. Um and mm. I don't know why, because it's so funny it's the 2018 period black comedy film directed by yorgos lanthimos did i say that right i don't know i'll get it we'll find out someone will tell me um (laughs) (laughs) but what i like about this is it does i feel like a turn and i'm i don't want to seem like i'm ragging on portrait of a lady on fire what was the other one that we were talking with my mom about the other desperately sad Ammonite? Yeah. Well, no, that's, that's Ammonite, the other one. Ammonite's like so lowest on the list. There's Portrait of on Fire, then Ammonite, and then there was a World one, to Come. World to Come. So there is yeah. this... <laughs> there's, I won't call it a running gag, because it sure isn't, but there is a, a history, um, a precedent of period films about gay people uh, that are just about how difficult it is to be gay in the past. And... I don't hate those films. I just feel like they're talked about the most. Sure. Uh, to a certain extent. I don't know. It's like, I don't, I don't know. A lot, a lot of, it's how you win an Oscar to a certain extent. Oh, yeah. Um, Play the saddest gay person imaginable. Exactly. You'll, you'll win and an like, Oscar. I do that every day. Where's my Oscar? <laughs> <laughs> I am so depressed and so gay. Where's time. my money? <laughs> um, but the favorite... I, Props to this movie for making me walk out of the movie theater and immediately Google, was Queen Anne actually gay? Uh, and even now I'm like, I should have Googled this before talking about it. Because was she? Was she gay? This film convinced me that maybe she was. She probably was, actually. Uh, I love mess. I've, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Here's our messy picks I now that I'm looking at them. Love, yeah, that's truly the, the true theme of my, of my top ten is mess. Um, and this is mess. 
Uh, it makes you feel better about any relationship drama you might have had in the past. It outdoes the worst college decisions you ever made. Uh, I loved watching everyone in this film hate each other <laughs> and love each other and kind of want to have sex with each other and be furious about it, but not in a like, I can't, we're two women kind of way. Uh, when Olivia Coleman said, I like it when she puts her tongue in my cunt, I... <laughs> like, that's the line. That is okay. the line. No, it's, it's, not... it's, it's What is it? She just said, I like it when she puts her tongue in me. You added the cunt. Okay, well... You went the extra mile. Spiritually? Spiritually? You know, it's, that's what she meant. It's she the implication. She does say that okay. event, uh, cunt eventually, but you added it in that moment. You know what? <laughs> I smoke my little invisible cigarette. I move on. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, my... My entire sense really of put self the left my body in the movie theater. Oh, yeah. Because it's not like, oh, yeah. oh, but we mustn't. Oh, but we brushed hands once and I'm learning about a blossoming flower inside of me. <laughs> like, it's just about, like, I can kiss a, g- a g- g- girl? <laughs> what? It's <laughs> like, again, I don't want to discourage you. No, I like those movies. <laughs> I do just love... Three Take that women. pride and prejudice losers. <laughs> <laughs> I can touch a woman's hand. That's all Jane. That's like all Jane Austen, yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And I love it. Don't get me wrong, but I do love watching three uh, exes who are kind of dating each other but aren't dating each other at all, but have dated each other but aren't exes, but they want to be exes. But actually, they they're it, the it, the complexities of these three women. I cannot stand even thinking about them all in the same room without wanting to climb the walls. <laughs> like, I don't know. Sometimes you, it's, it's, I haven't said anything about the plot and I don't need to. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, it's, Rachel Weisz is a, is a gay icon, I feel like, yes. too, to the sapphics because of disobedience and this movie. Yes. She's a, she's a, she's a, one of, a sapphic icon. I will say it's one of few movies that I've seen where they've really let Emma Stone go as unhinged as she wants. She's great in that movie. Mm-hmm. It's fabulous. Like, if you want to, if you want to be a little bit traumatized and a little bit turned on. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is the movie for you. <laughs> you were not kidding when you said I just love mess. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's all like we don't we get no talk of messy. plot. We we get no talk of plot. We just get like hammered home how messy this is. It's so I funny. I mean, the thing is like again, who <laughs> didn't see this in 2018? Come on. Yeah. I I feel like everybody saw it and then everybody forgot about it and I'm a little yes. bit bitter because I don't know. I as much as I love people being good and decent to each other and I do. I do. Um, there's just something special about watching Olivia Coleman ruin lives by doing nothing except owning rabbits. And maybe that's my venture into the plot. <laughs> I'd ruin my life for, for Olivia Coleman. Sure. Hit mm-hmm. me up, little yeah. queen. Who wouldn't? Yeah. Who wouldn't? She's, I, she's amazing. And again, I did Google after I got on the movie. What is she? Was she? Was she? <laughs> I yeah, I was, just Googled but... it in some boring articles. Like, there's no historical evidence saying. Which, oh, honestly, it's less even fun. better. Even yeah. better. <laughs> that was a choice. Like, we're gonna take. We're gonna take an ostensibly straight historical woman, and we're gonna say, no, her entire life revolves around these two elevated yeah. L word drama. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, uh, um, okay, Mackenzie, you're number seven. 
My number seven is Priscilla, <laughs> Queen of the Desert. That's my wine reading. Um, this is a great movie. Oh, God, I can't remember what year it came out. Probably the 90s, uh, 92, I oh, think. 92. I don't know. I'm going to guess. Maybe I'm a genius. Uh, and it is a uh, Australian film starring Hugo Weaving, who we love. I love, I love <laughs> Mr. Weaving. Um, and Mr. Weaving. Mr. Weaving. Uh, and it's about... Uh, these three friends, frenemies, kind of, at some point. Two drag queens and a character that I think is very heavily coded as a trans woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just don't know if the film had the, like, language to, to talk about her in that way, but she's absolutely a trans woman. Um, but these three, like, drag performers who um, are all sort of looking for escape at some in some areas of their lives. Um, like, Bernadette is wanting to uh, just get out of town because <laughs> she's dealing with her gender and a lot of other stuff. Um the main character that Hugo Weaving plays is uh, he, he needs a purpose. He needs a job. He needs a, a thing that gives him that gives him meaning. And he has he recently finds out about a son that he did not know he fathered with an old friend of his, and uh, he finds out that there's this gig in Sydney. And then they have a third friend who's just kind of this like twinky, <laughs> uh, very like transphobic at times, oh, yeah. and they grapple with that in a really realistic way that I think is awesome. Um, kind of twinky, like sweet, kind of fun young friend, and the three of them are going to go to the Sydney to perform this gig because they all need to just go find meaning in their lives. And it's just sort of this road trip movie starring drag queens, <laughs> um, and it's very complicated because it gets into their the interminglings of their relationships with each other. Because yeah, there's 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 transphobia and they have to deal with that. And they also, it's about them interacting with um, the people along the way. You know what I mean? They're mm-hmm. in Australia. So obviously they meet Aboriginal people who end up loving their performances. Uh, Bernadette ends up meeting like an old mechanic who she kind of falls in love with. And there's like, th- there's a scene where there's a very vivid gay bashing scene. Like it, it, it sounds like a dark movie, but it's like so funny. There's so much heart and weird kind of Australian humor in it. But it's not afraid to go to these like realistic places, and I I just like have loved this movie for a long time because I my my mom's a lesbian, my every person I knew growing up was gay, so I was very inundated in queer media growing up, which a lot of queer people didn't have. You know what I mean? Like a lot of queer people are like the only queer people they know for a long time, but I was surrounded by queer people. And I remember distinctly one night we were at my goddad's house and he somehow found out I had not seen this movie. And he, he turned to my mom and was like, she's staying the night. We're watching this and Steel Magnolias. <laughs> and, uh, and, which is, a, you know, I, I think Steel Magnolias might as well be an honorable mention because Southern gay people love that movie. But it just, it really, really made me happy. It has amazing performances, uh, amazing writing, fun just gags throughout the film. And I think it goes to a really sweet place when they get to Sydney and like, Hugo Weaving meets his son and like he has to figure out how to be a dad when like when you're gay you're told you're not a real man and so like what does that mean that you want to be a man to this young boy who like needs a father figure and like how do you grapple with your own masculinity and there's just this sweet like the kid knows he's gay and doesn't care like he's like yeah you're my dad I don't care and it's just this sweet beautiful arc um it's just really lovely it has a lot of great characters it's very silly I just think it's a great movie um yeah, I, don't know. I just love it's Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. A lot of Australian accents uh, throughout the film, um, but it's a fun little flick. Cool, uh, Rachel, your number six. Um, I do have to say that I think that was very lovely. I am grappling with the fact that I did say "cunt" on a podcast. 
Five minutes? <laughs> you know. <laughs> I said it too. Would, I repeated would, you. I know. Would you like me to bleep it out or? <laughs> you know Listen, what? It's, it's your call. So. No, no, not at let all. It, let, let, uh, it let, let, <laughs> let, let, let it breathe. Let it breathe. I just can't tell my mother I did this. Um. <laughs> okay, we don't get that many listeners. It's fine. You don't have to worry. <laughs> if, you're, if you're feeling delicate This is the episode that blows language. up. <laughs> oh, no. Um, anyway, uh, to, to, to rescue my, my self-slandered <laughs> reputation, um, Saving Face is my number six choice. It is a 2004 romantic, American romantic comedy drama directed by Alice Wu, who also did the half of it, which was kind of the, one of the more recent Netflix, um, little gay movies, which little was also gay. very sweet. It was a very sweet film, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um. I recommend it, um, but of the two, I definitely prefer Saving Face, just because it's it's two adult women dealing with their families and with being gay, and uh, also just de- dealing with commitment. And I do think that sometimes, uh, and it's an impulse you feel as a queer person sometimes, it's like the first person that I kiss first girl I kiss. This is it. My entire life has been leading up to this point. Okay, drag me. Why don't you, Jesus Christ? <laughs> I did it, too. Okay. I did it, too. We all did, it's like this, I feel like it's fraught enough when you're dealing with it. I won't say, like, an age-appropriate age or what. Like, a lot of, I feel like queer kids these days do get to experience those moments maybe more often uh, in incongruence with their straight peers. Um, but it does kind of feel like, oh, this is a, I'm making this choice. I may potentially ostracize my, myself from my, my loved ones. So, like, it's all a big deal. It's all very fraught. And then you have, like, the, <clears throat> the default teenager emotions and young adult emotions of, like, what do I want out of a relationship? And, and who am I in a relationship? And, and how, how does one go about being in a relationship? Um, so it's refreshing to see a movie that deals with kind of like <laughs> queer people are like I I am very attracted to you but there's a lot going on in my life right now. My mom's pregnant and my whole family's kind of dealing with that because we don't know who the dad is and I thought I knew my mom and I guess I didn't and I don't know I don't know how to form my own conception of self if my conception of my mother is shattered suddenly um I don't know it's just it's a very sweet film where like everybody is just trying to live their lives and life keeps being like no 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 (laughs) whoops you're in love whoops you're pregnant whoops you (laughs) you know you have to deal with a gay daughter and your disapproving father at the same time and isn't that disorienting um it's it 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 does a really good job of being a rom-com that is as much about the family as it is about the romantic relationship mm-hmm. and it's uh i don't know it's just really and and community too i feel like there there is this uh fear of pressure or judgment from a community that it feels very universal to queer experience um well, this is about this is about a. A Chinese American family specifically yeah. so you're dealing with uh, having to translate for parents you're dealing with like you have expectations of this very insular community and then though your wider community that is like the hospital and the place where you work um, 
I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, it's just such a sweet little, I won't say smart film because I feel like that, it it is smart, but it, I feel like me saying that cheapens it in a way, like it's not trying Mm. to be smart. Um, it's not trying to be nuanced. It's, it's like she just filmed these people going about their lives in a way. We talk about Debs being a collection of tropes and bits, and I love that. But this really feels like you, <laughs> you, you, you achieve closure naturally, <laughs> which is wild to me because it is it, the the film sets up so many obstacles for them to trip over that it it feels impossible that you hit that last scene where these two women get to dance together while all all of the all of the community members are like, "What's going on? Oh my gosh!" But like it does it does hit that beat so well i don't know it's a satisfying film when i watch this movie it makes me viscerally angry that we don't give alice Wu more money yes. to make movies because she has yes. made this and the half of it and those are like 20 years apart Just like, like where is she she's amazing and it's it, it like seamlessly blends a mother-daughter drama mm-hmm. with a queer rom-com it's never feels like it's trying too hard it never feels yeah. contrived it's natural and that's hard it's such a natural well-written well-acted well-directed movie it's just a great film that it make one more people should know about oh yeah i don't know why more people don't talk and about it's this not movie. on the like happy ending happy ending it has, a happy, it has ending. a happy ending it's great it's just such a good movie and it like maddens me that more people don't know yeah. about it they just put it on the criterion Cl- uh, oh, yeah. channel though so hopefully that will boost it a bit but like if you were looking for a movie where you want to call your mom afterward <laughs> and you want to like snuggle with your partner like i don't know like it's rare that a movie fulfills multiple emotional needs for me in that way but it's also the most natural thing in the, in the world dealing with your parents while dealing with queerness or just dealing with your parents while you're entering into maybe your first adult relationship like, it's really relatable and really. We could talk about this movie for hours. Realistic. It's it's, it's so it's. We so should watch good. it this week. We should. I want to watch <laughs> it. We're gonna watch it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> Jesus, I love it. Uh, Mackenzie, you're number six. Yes, I'm doing a bit of a last minute switch. My number six is Brokeback Mountain. Hey. A movie I have not watched in a while. I will not lie. This is maybe my shame pick. Like how proud was yours? <laughs> um, I have not watched Brokeback Mountain in a hot second, but I was trying to make sure this like list felt representative of movies that like have that I either love dearly or have been queer touchstones throughout my life and also culturally significant. Like Rocky Horror is very culturally significant to me, and Brokeback Mountain is similarly culturally significant to me because I feel like Brokeback Mountain really um, was like. It wasn't the, obviously the first prestige queer film, but it did, like, I feel like start was the first domino of, like, the prestige <laughs> queer films we mm-hmm. see now, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Carol wouldn't be what it is if Brokeback Mountain didn't exist. Like, um, it, it just, I remember um, <laughs> I watched this when I was 10. Like, I genuinely watched this movie when I was really young because my mom loved it. Like, when it came out, it was, like, the movie to watch. Every, every queer person was obsessed with this movie. And I remember my mom put it on DVD and my friend and I just like sat and we're like, we're going to watch this movie. And I remember being like 10, 11 and not obviously like so much of the weight of it maybe didn't hit me, but I like, like I loved it so much. Like it was a movie 
it kind of makes me think about how like people are like, and I'm not saying show all your children Brokeback Mountain, probably <laughs> not, but it makes me think about how people like in schools and stuff, it's like, we can't teach kids about queer people because mm-hmm. they're not old enough to handle it or whatever. And like, I watched Brokeback Mountain when I was 11 and obviously there's some adult stuff in there I probably shouldn't have seen, but I, I was watching Austin Powers, who gives a shit? I was watching Family Guy, you know, like it's <laughs> Three like, very intimately connected yeah, pieces um, Yeah, all three of which made me the, the gay I am today. I know. Um, but like... I, 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 it resonated with me at that young age. I understood the weight of what was happening at that age. I understood the tragedy of this love story. I understood the, like the, the depth of love these men had for each other. And like, I haven't watched that movie in 10 years. I'm tearing up thinking about it. Like that last shot. I remember being a kid and like crying and being like, Oh my God, I just want them to be happy. And they're not. And I st- like, like I like that. I think it's amazing that I was that young watching this and this movie. Um, it made sense to me. Mm-hmm. I understood like I understood it so intimately and I and I, I obviously didn't know I was queer then and I didn't know anything about love or life or loss in the way that like these characters did but it was a really resonant movie for me and I think that it has survived through the years culturally it got made fun of way too much when it came oh, out yeah. you know what I mean I feel like it did become the the the, the joke the butt of the joke for straight I people I quit you and and the gay cowboys and da da da. But it, when you watch it, like divorced from all of that, when you revisit it years later, it is it is a beautiful, beautiful film, and with two absolutely gorgeous performances mm-hmm. that I think are a great argument for a kind of I feel like a discourse that pops up a lot of like can straight people play queer characters, and I'm someone who thinks they I, I don't I think yes because there's so many queer movies I love that wouldn't be the same without these straight performers. I think if there's love, intention, and thoughtfulness put behind it, then absolutely. And, like, I cannot imagine anyone but Heath and Jake doing those performances at that time and culture. You know what I mean? And those Heath and Jake. Yeah, our good <laughs> friends Heath and Jake. And th- they, as actors, stood by that movie and yeah. defended that movie. Through and a barrage of, of wild nastiness. Yeah, and dealt with so much shit and really stood by the queer community during that time. And I think that that's, like, if you're going to do that, that's what you got to do. you got to walk the walk and talk the talk and really... Those actors did it, and uh, it's just a really great movie. And I, I wanted it on my list because it feels like a significant queer film that, mm-hmm. like, if you haven't seen it, 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 it matters so much to queer history. You, you should. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, I would agree. And, like, I don't know, my first introduction to it was a joke. I feel mm-hmm. like a lot of first people's, uh, people's first uh, introduction to it was someone making a joke about gay cow- cowboys or, or that line, I don't know how to quit you, which... I, in is context, is devastating line. Yeah, completely devastating. I think about that movie weekly. I should watch it. I really. It's been a long time. I don't think I've watched it since college, but I should watch it again. Honestly, it's a good one. It's a good it's one. A good one. That's why it's on my list, baby. <laughs> you gotta. You gotta. <laughs> yeah, we made a ton of memes about it, but uh, go back, revisit, he- open he- your heart, heal your your hurting middle school self who could not stand sincere also, intimacy. Anne Hathaway's in that. And she takes her top off, and I remember being. Uh, <laughs> I remember. I, I'm pretty sure. I remember being kid, being like, no, okay. I had Auga. <laughs> yeah, let me roll my tongue back in my mouth. No, I had the biggest crush on Anne Hathaway to the point where I ran to my local movie theater and got a poster for Bride Wars for my wall. I was. I was. I was down bad for Anne Hathaway when I was like 13. That's the weirdest uh, poster. I- yeah, her and Kate Hudson, yeah. Um, I, I was down bad for Anne Hathaway. I, I would print out photos of her from my printer at oh home and put them on my wall. It, it, it was bad. So, what you had to do back then. So I think that was actually my, my main point of interest was Anne Hathaway's in this. And then, and then, and then accidentally you were 
thrust into a world of, of deep a world of pain, pain yeah and, but also all encompassing all encompassing love yeah it's great so i just wanted to end it on the high note with uh anne hathaway <laughs> boobs Daddy, i guess oh um what's your what's your next one rachel <laughs> I just can't imagine just walking into your childhood bedroom and see that stupid poster. <laughs> oh. The poster oh, yeah. and the like, oh, the, like so bad funny. resolution photos of yeah. Anne Hathaway that, oh, yeah, that like, you printed pic- out to supplement it. Yeah, pixelated photos oh, of God. Anne Hathaway. I, I, can't, I, found. I can't make fun of you. I had the guy who played, uh, what was this, Murtaugh and Aragon? Who the... F- <laughs> it's best you don't know. Oh. Aragon? Like the Ar- blonde Aragon. No, no, no. I like the, the dragon movie. One. Yeah, the dragon, the dragon movie. movie. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I realize that's reductive. I haven't, I haven't read or seen it. My bad. I, uh, I don't remember anything about that movie, but I could if I wanted to make the case for it being very gay. Okay. Perhaps one day I will. Perhaps. You shouldn't. <laughs> Did you just say you shouldn't? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we should let Aragon die in a ditch where it belongs. Oh, oh I don't strong know. feelings. I don't know. I have known nothing Woof. about Aragon. So, I just feel yeah. like I want to have an opinion sometimes, you know? <laughs> Ain't that just the way? <laughs> uh, well, okay. speaking Rachel, of your... opinions... Yeah, number five. <laughs> My number five is Can You Ever Forgive Me? A 2018 American biographical film directed by Marielle Heller. Uh, it is based on the 2008 confessional memoir of the same by, name by Lee Israel. So it is about Lee Israel. Uh, she's a struggling writer and a lesbian who, uh, after living a life of disappointments essentially decides I I am very smart and I do a lot of research and I think that I could forge letters written by famous people. So I've never seen this or heard of this. So I'm actually, is this the Melissa McCarthy movie from a couple years ago? I've never seen this or heard of this. So, and the thing is Melissa McCarthy, I love her is a phenomenal performer. Uh, she makes it look easy. And I feel like this is the first time that I really got to see her not do a bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like, what was the big, big one was Bridesmaids. I mean, Bridesmaids was her big breakout. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big Melissa fan. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Gilmore Girls was great, which I'm trying to get Rachel to watch with me. Um, oh, That's I love another... Spy. Mm-hmm. The Heat. Yeah. You kidding me? Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm a Heat <laughs> truther. Okay. <laughs> I love the Heat. <laughs> this In this, she's uh, I'm playing it very straight. Um, which is to say not at all. Uh, <laughs> but like, I don't, it's another, it's another movie about mess. Like this woman is a nightmare human. And I say that with love. I say that as a fellow nightmare human. And what I mean by nightmare human is like, sometimes you hit a point in your life where you feel redundant and, uh, she struggles with alcoholism. She struggles with writer's block. She's just kind of like, just trying to justify her own existence in a lot of ways and in a very quiet way. And I love that her solution to this is I will forge letters and pass them off as real famous people saying unbelievable things. Like I think she does Catherine Hepburn, she does Estee Lauder. Uh, She picks these very like bombastic uh, female icons Mm. or whatever. Um, But it's just like, it's just, it's, it's the sort of story that is if it if I was not aware going in that it was a true story, I would be like, this who greenlit this? This is unbelievable. 
Uh, it features a gorgeous performance by Richard E. Grant oh, as I well. And Anna DeVere Smith just chilling out. What? Yeah. Oh, yeah. How I, am I, I love any movie? movie where Anna DeVere Smith is just like, hey, I'm here to continue to continue to give you the same transcendent performance for as long as I am on screen because I am so talented that I could do anything that I wanted to do. Um, but no, it's just like, the, it's, a, it's a complicated movie. I don't want to spoil it too much because like yeah, I said, like, it is a wild... It is a wild ride. Uh, but it's just about this woman trying to figure out, like, how do I give my life meaning? And it is interesting to me that part of how she does that is she's like, it can't be through her own voice. Which I do feel like it feels, not to pathologize it too much, but it just feels queer a little bit. Like, I can't be me. I have to be someone else. I have to speak through someone else. It's like a like a quiet literary drag performance in a way, hmm. if that makes sense. Like, it's just, it's just this little... Sweet little, another 2018 nugget that I feel like no one talks about anymore, but Melissa McCarthy really is so, so good in it. And I think she got a nom for it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Then, yeah. She should have, if she didn't win, she should have won. Olivia Coleman, I think, won for the favorite that year. Oh, man. Well, that's, that's, that's I tough think. titties Don't quote me on it. I forget if she was supporting her lead, but, yeah. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. And, like, the, it, it, it's this sort of movie where I do feel like they could have made her a joke, and you could have played her as a joke. Kind of just this eminently pathetic person, uh, which would have ruined it, in my opinion. Like I, I don't, I don't know. Like she does fantastical things, but she is ultimately very grounded, and uh, the emotional payoff when it happens uh, <laughs> continues to rock me to the to my core, even in this moment. This. It's very good. This I, I put it on this list just to convince you to watch it with me. Tonight, so. <laughs> I want to watch it. So. <laughs> I just looked it up. That was the 2019 Oscars. Uh, that's the year Olivia Coleman won for the favorite. Oh, baby. Just in a leading role. Yes, I, mean, I got it. it. There's a podcaster I listen tough, to tough who year. has an encyclopedic knowledge of every Best Actress winner, and I want to get to that level, and this is my wow. beginning. <laughs> I just did it, so. Richard A. Grant nominated for Supporting Actor. Mm-hmm. Was like a a, I love yeah. him. Um, he's in one of my other favorite movies of all time, Spice World. Richard E. Grant, I incredible turn in Spice World. That's the, but it would be Spice World should be on the queer movie episode. I got to bring it up once. That's very true. At least you're, you're doing you're doing the Gaylord's work. Yes, I am. <laughs> Gaylord Opry though, Opry. Well, all down here from <laughs> here, baby. all down here from Hill, babe. Uh, Mackenzie, you're number five. A fucking insane turn we're gonna have to take. Uh, my number five yes. is a. <laughs> It's a 60s movie called Funeral Parade of Roses. Uh, that is a crazy movie. I, I found this movie pretty recently. There's an amazing director named Isabel Sandoval. She's a trans mm-hmm. director who's really up and coming right now. She has three features. I watched her first recently, and it was really, really great. Um, and she's recently getting a lot of acclaim for directing um, under some of the episodes for Under the Banner of Heaven with Andrew Garfield. She directed some of those. Um, and she's just great. And she did this sort of watch party with movie, which is streaming service that was like, I think it was, I don't even remember what it might have been for. It might have been for Pride last year. Wow. And she was like, you know, come chat with me while, I, while we watch Funeral Parade of Roses. And I was like, I don't know what this movie is. Sure. And uh, I, I was I, blown away. I could not believe what this movie is. I feel like in the last year I've been exploring cinema a lot more. Um, and I 
love Japanese films. I, I just like Japanese films. I think some of the best movies in the entire universe came out of Japan. And I, I think that Funeral Parade of Roses fits perfectly into that. Um, it's about the like kind of um, drag and trans sex worker like community in the 60s in Tokyo. Like it's about these these sex workers who are drag performers um, and also trans women who who it's just kind of about their like drama kind of like <laughs> like there's like there's like the men that intersect in their lives and they're kind of fighting over the same guy and it's sort of like a weird it, it's it's a very strange film if you like abstract filmmaking and um weird movies this will be for you and if that's not your bag you will hate this because it's 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 very non-linear storytelling like it shows you things in the beginning and then it cuts really quickly to other places and then brings you back to these places you already saw and it's very non-linear it's super abstract there's a scene a fight scene that is just a, a <laughs> series of still portraits where they're the, the girls are posed in these like cartoonish places while the captions are like bubbles like they're in a comic book and that's just our cats are throwing themselves at the door to get to us. Oh, no. That's the level of gay we are, <laughs> as we love, have cats I love that to needy. Every possible stereotype. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's just like so. There's just like very abstract, strange, different ways of telling the story. There's confessionals that's, uh, that are really beautiful and like ground you in the world, and then they'll do this insane neo noir, like uh, creepy trailing someone through an art museum. Like it's just f- fifty different movies somehow. In this one movie, and then it turns into a horror movie in the last like fifteen minutes. In what a way, is happening? Yeah, it's the <laughs> craziest shit I've ever seen. And like, it turns into a horror movie rooted in the Oedipus myth. Oh yeah. And you're like, how the fuck did we get here? And it's like it's it is, the movie is almost indescribable. Like that's why I'm having such a hard time even saying. <laughs> it, say, I'm it trying is just... to imagine the movie you're describing, and it's not. I'm not. Yeah, I can't it is crazy. It is crazy. Midnight. And you're very tired. I was watching this so late. And you've been doing other things for the past three hours. And I literally, I watched on my laptop. Rachel was on the couch next to me and that movie ended and I closed the laptop and I went, that is insane, but also immediately a five-star movie. That is the be- one of the best things I've ever seen in my life because it is crazy. And so it's a movie that's hard to recommend. Like I said, if you don't like abstract stuff or weird stuff, you might not like it, but I think that if there that is moderately your bag, this will blow you away. And it's just it's great. There, um, if you're a Kurosawa person, the lead act, uh, performer in this is actually in Ran, which I found reason I was like, whoa, wild! They play the fool in Ran. Um, it's just great. It's just a great example of like queer filmmaking, and it's from 1967. And so it's also crazy to me that a movie that was this blunt about like transness and gender and sexuality was coming out in Japan in the 60s. Like, it's another movie that kind of feels like a miracle. I'm like, how did you make this? Like, how, how, especially the places it goes, how did you get this approved by anybody to put it on film? Like, I, I it, it just feels amazing that it exists. I love looking at older movies and being like, we were able to get away with more than we thought we could. And there were some really awesome, brave filmmakers who were like, we're going to make fucked up, crazy, queer shit. And like, who gives a shit? Like, this is cool and we want to do it. And I just... Funeral Parade of Roses, amazing movie. That's it. That's the spiel. <laughs> I will make you watch it one day. I have to see it again. But also, I'm like, do I want to see it again? I don't know. It's crazy. It's it's wild. It has it has to be like midnight after a long day. <laughs> yes. It has to be yes. You have to be as delirious as possible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, okay, Rachel, you're number four. I'm so excited about this. I am going to preface this by saying that I could yell about this movie 
uh, for an entire podcast. I could create an entire <laughs> podcast series. Uh, it is the ever-controversial Chasing Amy. I want to say, for any straight people listening in on this, we are like the two lone yeah. queer people you in the entire world who will defend do, this movie. Do not use us as... <laughs> It will not go well. Every other queer person I've ever met hates this movie. Hates it. And we love it. Yes. Okay. And here's the deal. When I came out and started interacting with the queer community at large, whatever that means, I was warned away from this yes, movie. Yes. Same. And that is a common experience where uh, other sapphic people will tell you, this is the worst movie. Don't watch it. It's basically just a lesbian falls in love with Ben Affleck, which would never happen. <laughs> It is, it is wish fulfillment, it's gross, it's disgusting. I only considered once when I watched Jersey Girl, and that's it. Oh my god. No. I just and looked I, it up on I just looked it up on Letterboxd. One this is the most nineteen ninety seven cast of all time. Yes. Yes. Um, yes, it is the most nineteen ninety seven movie of all time. Oh, absolutely. In a lot of ways. It is the top American... review is a one star sorry. Yep. The, the top review is a one star review. It says keep Kevin Smith the fuck away from anything to do with LGBT culture and especially lesbians. And yep. it's just you scroll down and it's a lot of It's that. just yep. a lot of that. So that's why we are the only two queer do people not, do on not Earth. Use this as like, well, I know a queer person who likes this movie because boy howdy you get an earful. We stand alone. I say this joke a lot. We are the last shot of fight club. We are holding hands, watching the buildings crumble around us, and we are the only two people who you're like welcome, chasing Kevin Amy. Smith. Yeah, Kevin Smith, you don't deserve this, but we, you're welcome. Ben Affleck, is... Joey Lauren Adams, Jason Lee, Jason Muse, Kevin Smith, Matt Day. What, what are we? Oh, my God. It's the most oh, yeah. 1997 cast of all time. It's incredible. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ben Affleck oh, yeah. has a goatee. It's making me uncomfortable. Yeah, oh, yeah. The goatee. Yeah. The goatee, man. That's good. Here's the deal. I don't even remember why. We is put it, it on. I think we saw it on HBO it's, Max. No, it's not. It's because you saw it on the Criterion Collection. We were like, yes. what is this movie doing on the Criterion Collection? <laughs> Again, having not seen it, like I cannot, I cannot tell you how many people told me. Do not watch this movie. Stay away. <laughs> yeah. But. Yeah, all I heard was a lesbian falls in love with a man. I said, well, that's impossible because lesbians don't date yes, men. So. Yes. And but it's like you start to peel the layers back, and you're like, this is wild. Like Genevieve Turner was in the Watermelon Woman, also directed Go, Go Fish, Fish, like a very prominent '90s Indian not Indian, oh, indie lesbian filmmaker. Yes. Uh, was it like, she helped with this. Like, with she the script, read the yeah. script and like acted as kind of a, a pseudo... Script doctor kind yeah. of. Yeah. Uh, like, he went to queer people and, and was like, I, I've i come up with this thing. And like, she was, you see in the, we, we've read a ton of articles about it afterwards because we were like, we can't We are be, fascinated, we, yeah. Yeah, completely, <laughs> completely enthralled. <laughs> by how this movie came to be and she talks about like i it's about a very complicated part of the lesbian community and a lot of lesbians are gonna hate it that's what she said yeah and she was more right than she knew but essentially like and here is my very brief defense of this movie this very hated queer movie yes it is created by a straight man uh, it, this movie is, I don't think you can call it for queer people. It is very much like straight guy wanders into the queer community and learns some lessons. And from that description, you would think I would hate it. Uh, but you watch it and I've talked about, talked briefly about like, I, I am picky about my bisexual representation, even while I can't be. I know what it looks like for the most part out there and it's like I can kiss girls or like I'm 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 down to do whatever and you can do whatever to me and that's my purpose as a character like a whole array of nasty stereotypes and not a lot of you don't there's not like a broke back mountain for bisexual people 
And I say that, and I'm right. Um, <laughs> I was like, am I wrong? And I'm like, no. Because if, there, if there are bisexual... The bisexual if you get bisexual characters in these prestige films, generally most people are like, ah, yes, a gay man, or ah, yes, a lesbian woman. And you can argue until you're brilliant in the face. It's just, it's like, it, bisexuality is this inherently not prestige worthy identity yeah. in a lot of ways um which whatever i love that i'm not prestige either chasing amy is about a woman who i think she is allowed to identify however she would like to but it, it speaks very deeply to me about what it is to be bisexual uh and it is a movie for me i have never seen anything like it yeah. it's a, what it is like as a bisexual person dating someone who's straight you get a lot of uh, asides with bisexual characters of like, oh, you have to deal from biphobia from lesbians. Uh, and that's usually where they go with it. Which and they like, depict that in the movie really Yeah, honestly, you get like a, think, a brief yeah. scene where you follow her to her community and they're like, are you joking? Ben Affleck with a goatee. And she has to be like, shut up. Just leave me alone. I get it. I know, okay? I know. <laughs> I know I'm betraying the cause or whatever. But honestly, <laughs> like having dated this straight person... Uh, I was surprised by how much I feel for Ben Affleck and his exhausting journey towards enlightenment. <laughs> like, it do, it hits all the beats of, like, he was fine with her dating other women because that was, like, fun and sexy and, like, ooh, it kind of makes him, like, different and cool and enlightened and he's, like, the guy. And then he finds out that she's dated men before and he loses his mind. And all of a sudden, she's a vector for disease. Are you going to give me an STD? Like, what else are you lying to me about? Do I have to worry about you messing around with other people? It's all these stereotypes of, like, you're unclean. You're going to cheat no matter what. You're, like, a, 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 the double whammy of, like, you, you date anyone. So you probably are dating everyone. When, you know, you're trying to explain to your partner, like, I'm dating you. <laughs> like, I could cheat on so many people and it wouldn't matter it wouldn't have anything to do with my sexuality but like i'm trying to communicate that i want you right now and you're ruining it um it's such a bisexual movie like it, it's i think that people who hate it get really caught up in the word lesbian being thrown around a bunch yeah but it's understandable in the 90s in the early 90s a lot of women who would later identify as bisexual still called themselves lesbians because bisexual wasn't as widely used as a yeah, term and you did at have that to, time. You yeah. didn't have to choose a side. This is pretty gay. It was a very binary time yeah, to be like, a queer person. You had to, to, yeah. to stake out which community you were going to be a part of and you were going to to interact with for the most part. Like, I, I 100% like, it makes sense to me. And I think where people get tripped up is like, it's not about Alyssa. Spoiler alert, her name is not Amy. Uh, that and chasing Amy ends up being the comic that he writes about <laughs> his experience, but uh, Alyssa, like, she's just she's messy too. She makes mistakes. I but, love her as a character too, she, and, and she gets the chance to like tell him like I can't believe you treated me this way, and I don't understand it, and it hurt me. And you also get a side plot where you find out that his best friend. I think another reason a lot of people have a problem with this movie is because it does throw around slurs like candy. And that was it, the nineties. I, I mean, the thing is, like, I know it's in the nineties, but I also understand if you don't want to like sit around and listen to that for an hour and a half. I get that. Um, but it deals with this this idea of like his best friend has a ton of internalized homophobia, and that's you know a trope now. But at the end of it, like. You get two queer people in Ben Affleck's life. I forgot the character's name. It might as well just be Ben Affleck. Um, yeah. <laughs> two, two queer people in his life who, like, love him desperately. 
and have been asking and cajoling and begging him to see them as people independent of his own internal drama for the entire movie and he fails to do it and he doesn't get the girl spoiler alert they don't end up together at the end and I don't know like it's it was validating for me because I do feel like you get a lot of this is how you deal from biphobia within the community uh but the worst biphobia I've dealt with has absolutely been from straight people who like could not understand why I had quote unquote a choice and I was choosing the wrong thing and um I don't know like it's 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 a fluffy little movie it's not nearly as depressing as I'm making it out to be it's very f- funny and silly and like I think a it's Kevin so Smith funny yeah. yeah there's this hilarious scene where like he's realizing he's attracted to her and also realizing that she's gay uh, in a, in a bar, like, when they're know, talking like, about the women yeah. they've had sex with her yeah. and Binky. yeah, and it's, it's like, like funny. A, it's a Jaws throwback. That's what I love is that it's, the, like, yeah, it's the... hey, you want to know how I got this scar? Yeah, <laughs> I was just fucking some girl in a car and did it. Like it's just yeah. like it's like it's a funny, it's like movie. a funny yeah. silly sex romp. But it also I, I think it's very funny that it's so widely hated and that it was created by a straight man because you do have that defense of like oh my god what are you gonna say. <laughs> what are you going to make me look like? But, like, it accurately captures a lot of that experience that you just don't see anywhere else. Like, whatever. The OC, they moved in after a day, and that's their experience. But my experience was, you know, just trying to exist. And Ben Affleck with a goatee comes along and says, do you mind if I date you and you learn a horrible lesson about trusting people? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I think that the reason why it's hated is because Kevin Smith made a bad lesbian movie. But I think that he inadvertently, accidentally fumbled his way into what I think is a great bisexual movie. I, I honestly think it's funny. And like the whole time we were watching it, we were just howling at the screen being like, this, she's bisexual. Like we were just yeah. screaming it the whole time. And we're like, that's why y'all are all mad about it. It's because she just doesn't have the words to accurately describe herself yet. But like it all, it's just, I think it's good. And I hate that like the queer community is making me defend Kevin Smith, but man, I mean, here's the deal uh, to, <laughs> to, doing the, it. to the 0.5 gay people who have just come out listening to my voice right now, you're going to be warned away from this movie. Don't watch it. Don't watch it while you're feeling fresh in your feelings. Like d- go, wait until you're jaded and approaching 30 and you're like, ah, <laughs> open mind, open heart, baby. <laughs> open mind, open heart. Come to appreciate the mess. The mess is good. <laughs> so that's my, in defense of chasing Amy Spiel. We could talk for hours. We Literal did. Hours. After we, we watched did. that movie, we talked for like four hours. It was like Plato it. and Aristotle going back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> That's us, baby. We also- oh my God. Ben Affleck's character's name is Holden. Yes. I'm a fool. Yes. I feel like Kevin Smith knows. Is the thing is like what that lets me know is he knows. He knows what movie he made. There's also, um, what's his face? The, uh, the other friend. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I forget oh, yes. his name. Hooper. Yes. He's so good. He plays... He's, like, this, like, gay black comic, and he is, like, my favorite character in the whole oh, yeah. movie, and he pretends to have, like, sort of, like, a Black Panther persona in order to sell more comic books. The black um, radical extremist, very, very masculine persona that he puts on to sell And then comics. when he's, like, and not... He's, like, and He's just smoking with a little limp wrist and being like, hey, baby, and I'm like, I, I'm obsessed with you. And it's like, yeah, like, that is how it is sometimes. And because all of this is so nerdy, but because of... Uh, I promise I do not watch all the Kevin Smith movies other than this one, but <laughs> I have done a lot of research based on this movie, and because all of his movies are set in the same universe, mm-hmm. um, Binky comes back 
in like a, a small role and you find out he's like married to Hooper. Like, yeah. like Kevin Smith carries through that like threat of this guy coming out and now he has like a husband in the next movie. Like he kind of apologizes for chasing Hooper in his in newest Universe one. Kind of, yeah. But also to me it lets me know that like, I don't know. Yeah. Hooper and 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 Banky end up together and they're and, happy and they, they don't have to deal with internalized bullshit and they just get to exist. And then Alyssa ends up marrying a woman and she asks Holden to be a sperm donor so that she and her wife can have a baby and like they're all friends that's uh, that's not always how it works out so I'm glad that Kevin Smith was like I've put these 90s babies through enough (laughs) (laughs) it's cute okay Uh, (sighs) Mackenzie you're number four oh wow Uh, are you sure this won't be too long of an episode I'm so worried this will be so long I'm not worried about it um my number four is uh, Jamie Babbitt's But I'm a Cheerleader, which I, I do think, though it isn't at the top of my list, I do think it is one of the greatest queer movies ever made, if not like one of, if not the best satire on queerness ever made. Um, it is <laughs> it is one of my favorite movies. It is imminently rewatchable. I could watch this movie every day of my life and probably not get tired of it. Like, it's so good. It is... It is, it is like the perfect amalgamation of 90s queer culture to me as a person. It stars Natasha Lyonne, who is a gay icon. We love her. We love Natasha. <laughs> and Cleo Duvall, who is mm. also a gay icon. And uh, they're still besties, and I love that for them. Um, and it's basically about a young girl who is a cheerleader in high school, who her family and friends hold an intervention for her to be like, you're gay, and this is an issue. And there's just this hilarious scene. RuPaul... Well, the cast for this movie is wild. Yeah, RuPaul, who plays the like one of the counselors at the gay camp they're going to send her to, is so funny. And they're like, you have like vaginal artwork on your walls and Melissa Etheridge posters. You eat tofu. <laughs> like It's like making fun of queer stereotypes. And they send her to a um, conversion camp, which is like, I was actually, so funny, there's a great... Um, Instagram account if you're looking for more queer films called like Queer Film Archive and they're actually talking about but I'm a cheerleader today so I was actually looking at their posts about it and the director was talking about how she got a lot of flack for making a funny movie about conversion camps because these are still huge problems in our country today like they're disgusting awful things but this movie I think um, I love that it makes fun of these people and it makes fun of because from the start you, you enter into this conversion camp and it is so obvious, like, none of these kids are going to change because we can't. We can't not be who we are. And it's, like, that's where the fun is, is that these, like, very gay kids are trying so hard not to be gay. But, like, they, they, they it's just, it's also, a, the movie itself is a celebration of their queerness and all the various ways people are queer. They're super hyper-masculine jocks who just happen to love boys. They're super weird goth girls. They're super preppy girls. They're super butch girls. They're super girly boys. Like I it's, think that there's like that super butch straight girl who's like, I don't even know why You just think I'm, I'm gay. You just think I'm gay because you've, I mean, the whole con- conceit of the conversion camp is like, the girls wear pink and they practice cleaning and the boys wear blue and they practice working on cars. And it, you know, it's like, it, that's it, not going to yeah. work for anybody. The Gay, mo- straight, whatever. It's not going <laughs> to, you know. The, the movie makes fun of, of the binaries we put ourselves into and how queer people don't fit into those binaries because we have a different understanding of, of, of relationships and living. And it's just so, it's just a beautiful celebration and it's a romantic comedy. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the main girl, she falls in love with one of the other girls at the camp and the, a lot of the movie traces their slow, um, kind of falling for each other. And like, it's just a, it's like so funny. It is one of the funniest satires I've ever seen. It, it makes fun of 
all the things we do as a culture to, to make people be one way or another. And it's just, it's so funny. It's sexy. It's great. It's well-written. It's well-directed. Um, it's hilariously cast. The, uh, the woman who I cannot remember who she, she plays the main villain. What is her name? I know her from the Casper movie <laughs> where she plays, she talks like this and she's like, I'm Karen Kerrigan. And like, that's like, is it Kathy Moriarty? Kathy Moriarty. Yeah. I fucking, her, she yeah. is the most unhinged yeah. villain and she's so funny. She's in Casper and she's in Soap Dish, if anyone's seen that, <laughs> which is a very controversial, also queer movie um, with Whoopi Goldberg and Robert Downey Jr. And uh, insane movie. <laughs> Kathy Moriarty is also the villain in that. Um, but you've also got, like, in this movie, Julie Delpy in a bit part. Yeah, Julie Delpy shows up, if you like, the before sunrise, sunset, midnight series. She's just oh, there as some random lesbian like at a the bar. the French actor, Julie Delpy. She's, like, She's just Hello. there to, like, be gay. Michelle <laughs> Williams gay. is in this very briefly. Mel- yeah, you mentioned Mel- uh, Rufio. Yeah, Rufio was in it. Dante Basco is in this movie. Rufio. Um, it's great. <laughs> it's just, a f- it's so funny. If you need a good laugh. And it's also a queer film with a very happy ending. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my God, the teacher who spits a bunch in That's So Raven. Oh, yeah. He's in yeah. that. Yeah. If you yeah. were if, a big That's So Raven. If you're, if you're a big fan of the teacher who spits a bunch in That's So Raven, this is the who movie is for it, you. Really? Yeah, who, who, who doesn't love Mr. Spicella? <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's just a really great satire on um, on just like gender roles that I think that like everyone can relate to. I don't think that's exclusively a queer thing. Like I think no. that like everybody of all sexualities are are put into gender roles from a young age. And I think it's just, it's fun to make fun of those things and be like, wouldn't we all be happier if we just stopped caring about this shit? Instead of having pink and blue, we did a little bit of purple. (laughs) A little bit purple. (laughs) Who cares? Um, And it's just, it's just, it's just such a sweet little film. I think it is, I think it is a perfect queer movie. I I genuinely don't think it gets much better than that other than my, my top three. Um... (laughs) But uh, it's great, and a musical version's being made soon, so a lot more people will probably be discovering this movie soon, as they should. Oh, yeah. It rocks. Cool. Uh, Rachel, you're number three. So uh, I struggled with my placement of this one uh, because it is Moonlight. It is one of the greatest movies mm. ever made. I've never seen it. Oh, my God. Whoa. Deep shame. Um, Deep even, shame for even me. I've seen this. I know. I Deep shame anything. that I, well, that I have not seen it. Well, it is responsible for the greatest Oscars moment that has ever happened or ever will happen. <laughs> when I say mm-hmm. that the serotonin boost of them going, no, no, it's moonlight. I, who could Truly just thriving me? on messiness, and I love it so much. I'm thriving on messiness, but honestly, for me, that was a moment of, like, where the universe got it right. Yeah. <laughs> there are those rare, rare moments when the universe acknowledges that a mistake has been made and says, Mm. no, this is justice. (laughs) And it was, it genuinely was. I watched Moonlight alone in this tiny, horrible town in Indiana, uh, where I went to college. Um, I was alone. I'm from Indiana, so I understand it's not, it's not a fun place. (laughs) It's a real bummer Um, of a place. It was, uh, everyone's kind of angry there. Sorry. I'm going on. I'm, I'm interrupting your, Discussion. I'm so sorry. Uh, it, everyone's sad in Indiana. Yes. Have you noticed? It's very, Everyone is so upset there. It's very gray. It's, I, a, it's a startlingly gray. Yeah. 
I, yeah. I don't know. You, you need my whole to... family is from there. I'm the only one that was, I was raised in Texas, but I was born there. My whole, my, the rest of my family is raised in Indiana, but we go back to visit. Like we used to go back once a year. We don't go back so often anymore. Um, but like, I remember I went to McDonald's to pick up breakfast for everybody. Cause I had just gotten my driver's license, which meant I had to go run errands for everybody at that point. Yep. So I go to McDonald's and I go and I, I hold the door open for this guy as cause he was walking in behind me and he gave me the weirdest look I've ever gotten from a human being <laughs> in my entire life. And I was like, hey, Indiana people are just so upset. Sorry to anybody that's listening. That's from Indiana. I guess, <laughs> I which, hope everybody's whatever, so bummed. Whatever curse was placed on Indiana. I hope they lifted soon. I had a friend in college <laughs> who said, uh, everyone in my family can see demons, including me. And that was a lot for me to handle. And then she immediately <laughs> followed it up with, and I've never seen so many demons uh, as there are around here. And I was what? like, that explains what? a lot. And also, I can't talk to you anymore. I need a five-minute <laughs> break to sit alone yeah. in the bathroom and process that. Um, Good Lord. I'm sure there are perfectly fine places in Indiana. Regrettably, where I saw this movie, uh, it was not one of those places. <laughs> and uh, I think it's just... It's it is Brokeback Mountain ish. Like I feel like those 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 prestige queer parallels yeah. and those comparisons are irresistible, uh, for obvious reasons. But I I don't know. I loved speaking from like a an audience member perspective. I love the structure of it. I love the three act structure. Uh, I loved I loved each different actor for each different character. I have a soft spot for the the younger. The younger versions, or the the middle versions, I guess the teenaged, mm-hmm. teenaged kids versions. And I watched it, and I remember, like, there's so much to love about that movie. There's so much that you could talk about, but the moment for me where I was like, oh, oh, I'm I'm watching art. Like, I'm really, I'm really lucky to be here watching this right now. Is the scene where they're sitting on the beach, mm-hmm. and they're just two teenage boys really talking around this big unwieldy thing that is between them and I have a lot of respect for people who tell stories about children without speaking down to them mm. without condescending to them um that's our that's our cat Kiki. <laughs> Might not even pick up. Who knows? That's it. I mean, that was a really good impression. You have to admit, it was so great. It was if great. If it doesn't pick up, like <laughs> I, I gave you, you the whole it. experience. <laughs> you um, <killed> it. <laughs> I don't know. They're just sitting on the beach talking about their lives, and that could have been a whole movie for me. <laughs> and then when they oh, when they kiss, like it's just perfect. It's just a perfect movie, and. <laughs> The fact that you are then gifted this end where they see each other again, and they're like, "I'm thinking about you." You're spoiling Moonlight I for know, me. I know. I know. I mean, the thing is, like, you, it came out in 2016. It is a 2016 American coming of age drama film written and directed by Barry Jenkins. So you've 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 had a hot second. I know. I don't know what's wrong with me. I, too much. I don't know either. But like, Chiron just being like, "I," it's only been you. It's been nobody else. Yeah, like, it it really is just the sweetest, most tender thing. And I I don't know. It makes total sense that I watched it in Indiana, middle of nowhere. And, like, some dude laughed when they said the F-slur. And I was like, I will climb out of this seat and strangle you with my bare hands. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's just, like, it's just so delicate and lovely. And 
uh, I'm gonna make you watch it. I would love too, to because like Please. I don't know, mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't like it feels silly to try and convince people to watch this movie because the the argument is the movie itself in a lot of ways. And again, like one of the few moments in my life that I can say justice <laughs> <laughs> happened immediately and swiftly and rightfully was that that film winning the Oscar because like it was just it's just a perfect film. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, Barry oh. Jenkins really loves making projects that just like rip your heart out and stomp on it for a little bit and yeah. then just kind of put it back in a really nice I, way. It does kind of feel like you're undergoing surgery. Yeah. Like I was just, it was just like, I was very cleanly split open and like things were rearranged and put back together and sewed back up. And like, I was given mm-hmm. a little band, a little SpongeBob bandaid, you know, like it's just, it's so good. It's That's so cool. good. Sometimes. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, he did go. that. He did, he directed Bill Street. If Bill Street could talk, a couple oh. years after, which kind of did the same thing. He was an executive producer on Last Black Man in San Francisco, which is one of my favorite movies. It does the same thing. It's just like, hey, uh, this is gonna hurt for a while, but it's gonna be really great after. I promise. Yeah. Emma Hirschfeld really deserved that Oscar, also. Yeah. Uh, I feel sad that Richard Grant was not given also an Oscar, but like it was, that was a tough year because mm-hmm. who man, who man, should we? Who man, who man, who man? That man holding that child in the ocean teaching him how to float. Okay, all right, sure, all right, okay, all right. (laughs) Yeah, great pick. Um, Okay, Mackenzie, you're number three. My three connects actually amazingly to your three, (laughs) which is crazy. Um, So mine is uh, 1989's Tongues Untied, Mm -hmm. uh, and we talked about it a bit with Watermelon Woman, there's like not a, like a ton of like mainstream black queer stuff. And Moonlight is an amazing example oh, yeah. of a black queer film. And um, I also feel like just, and I, and a lot of this I've learned from Marlon Riggs's work. So this is directed and starring Marlon Riggs, who was um, uh, a gay activist in the mid eighties. Um, he suffered and eventually died from AIDS complications. Um, and he was just a, beautiful genius voice that we had on this earth and we lost a lot of amazing artists and amazing people um, from AIDS and he is an example of that and his work is is phenomenal and his work was he all he wanted to do was show that black men loved each other and they were soft and they they were queer and they were beautiful and that was like the thesis of all of his work was like I just want to show that black men can be soft and love one another because you know, I feel like a lot of men are steeped in a certain type of masculinity. And I think the black community has also a certain type of masculinity they feel the need to fill. And a lot of gay black men talk about like how... trauma compounded on trauma. Yeah, it, 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 it weighs down on them. And, and gay black men struggle with trying to figure out how to be the right kind of black man. You know what I mean? And, and Marlon Riggs's work is all about that. And so Tongues Untied is a weird film to call film because it's more of a conglomeration of, of sketches that are all sort of dance movement poetry um and intimacy and movement it's 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 just like watching a it's, it feels like sitting in a museum and experiencing um and it's so funny because there's these parts that are funny there's like a there's a whole sketch of how to snap and so it's like what all the different snaps mean and like when you snap this way this is what it means and it just feels so beautifully rooted in like the black queer community at this time in the 80s and New York City especially and um so there's like this hilarious sketch of like yeah how to snap but then it goes to these amazing um poems that are talking about what it feels like to grow up with a dad who hates you and like it's 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 a lot of just beautiful truth it's honesty it's these people speaking about their experiences and when i watch tongues untied i feel like i like i 
like something in me shifted. Like I changed as a person uh, at my core after seeing this movie because it felt so personal and beautiful. And I had never seen a piece of queer art speak so truthfully to queer experience as tongues untied. And, um, Criterion recently came out with a box set of his work and I bought it cause I was like, I need to see everything this man's ever made. And uh, a lot of his work is actually just documentaries about like uh, black media, but he has these, these couple pieces, tongues untied being the biggest that are, um, just about it's just poetry in motion about what it felt like to be a, a black gay man in 1989 uh and it's just amazing so it actually connects really beautifully to moonlight i think but it's like uh, a strong lineage it's it's like you know you, you think like i'm the first person who's ever felt this or like you feel like you have to reinvent the wheel to a certain extent and it is really comforting and rewarding to reach past um I mean, I think kind of like the top 10 queer films that you should watch for Pride Month and go like, oh my God, yeah, we've always been here and, and, and people have always been been having these feelings and, and, and making this art and, and wanting to express themselves in that way. I mean, you know, I feel like with, with filmmakers, like if our, filmmakers like Marlon Riggs had not, hmm. will you not do that? Oh, I'm sorry. sorry. It's making noise. Like, um, <laughs> with, with, um, I, I got anxious and sad, so I, I know. had to juggle my little knee. Um Without filmmakers like Marlon Riggs, filmmakers like Barry Jenkins might not have existed. You know what I mean? Without people like Marlon Riggs setting the precedent for for telling stories like yeah. this, like it's it's yeah. Um, I mean, like these we have to uphold the, and honor what they what the people before us did to create new stories that that honor them and remember them. They are these smaller like smaller indie films when like you weren't trying to uh, you weren't trying to 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 make a picture for everyone, if that makes sense. You weren't trying to get it on as many screens as possible. You were just you were just trying to create it. So that something mm-hmm. existed. Yeah. Yep. Sweet. I bet that one. Yeah. Uh, Rachel, you're number two. Ah! Um, so this is insane of me, and I, 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 I'm fine with it. The birdcage. <laughs> it is insane of you, yes. I love it so much. I love the birdcage so much i can't be reasonable about it i can't be logical or practical about it um and i know that there are (laughs) there are problems namely hank azaria's old deal but oh man it's one of those movies occasionally mckenzie and i will watch something we'll go oh that's you and that's me yes (laughs) this is like a couple movie where like you're that one in the couple and i'm this one Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh i don't know like i hate the sun I don't. I mm-hmm. think he's irritating. I don't hate a, him. I, I do. Him, he's a little he's piece of worst. shit. He's the yeah. worst. Like, for me, the joy of this film is just watching Robin Williams and Nathan Lane play off of each other. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I will go ahead and confess now that I, within the past five years, I learned that Nathan Lane is a gay man. So that's where I was at what? for a very long time. <laughs> so, like, I, I don't even know. You saw that man. You went, wow, that straight guy. I He's saw that man. I said, it. I want to be him. And so maybe I was yep. saying something about myself that I couldn't fully articulate, <laughs> you know. But, I, you know, he's playing a, he's a gay man playing a gay man. And I think I, this movie is an interesting argument for both sides of the, yes. who is allowed to play queer roles. I want to do a stipulate who is allowed to play gay or bisexual roles if you're trans if it's a trans role it goes to a trans person absolutely uh, queer kind of covers the whole umbrella but like, there, there, there are still rules here so don't don't again don't use me as like oh this queer person said this no don't get it <laughs> twisted because you have nathan lane who is a gay man playing a gay man and it's uh, he, he has such pathos he is the perfect clown uh 
and I mean that in like the, the the best way. Like he's playing an ostensibly ridiculous character, right? But like it's not a ridiculous character. Like he's he's really he has these maternal instincts or instincts that we would label as maternal. Um, that he like watching his son and Robin Williams like try to force him to be mask is like five minutes of genuine hurt. <laughs> and a movie that is very very light and bubbly uh and it's also very funny like you're watching him try and 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 walk in shoes walk in shoes and you're watching him try to sit like a straight man and it is funny but it's also like and then on the other end of that you have robin williams who was a straight man who is playing this gay man who's deeply in love with his partner and has this complicated relationship with his son in a very like uh, he's the me Oh yeah, I am Nathan Lane. I am the. I am the. I pierce the toast and I start crying. Pierce the toast. Yeah, that's me. And I'm Armand. Um, No, Armand is Nathan Lane. Yes. No, Armand is Robin. I'm pretty sure. Yes. Yes. You're on the Wikipedia page. I am on the Wikipedia page to to jog my memory. Um, He has Armand and Albert. Can't do two A names. My brain goes ah. I get it. But like he's playing it very but straight. my favorite bit in the movie is the one... No, I, I can't say that. One of my favorite bits in the movie is the first one where you think that he's cheating on Albert and it's his son. I love I love that bit. Uh, and I love the... Martha Graham. Martha I was about to say. Yeah. Madonna. Twyla. 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 Madonna. Madonna. The, we, John, the John Wayne impression is... It, it speaks to like... To we quote this movie like constantly. daily. Like literally daily. Constantly. Deeply, deeply uh, part of our personalities <laughs> as individuals and as a couple. But like it speaks to like these very uh, relatable gay feelings. Like neither of us are gay men, but like it is that thing of like, when you're around certain people, you do your John Wayne impression so you don't get hate-crimed. <laughs> and then, you know, so and then you have like, sometimes you're gay and no matter what you do, everyone's gonna know it. And that's that. Uh, I think it's 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 this sweet idea of like, oh, if only a Republican senator could sit down with your regular degular American gay family, then he would realize I too can know gay people, can know gay people, and not be a, a fucking weirdo about it. I too <laughs> can do drag to save to what what is the they feel like it is a. Lip sync for your life, quite literally, at the end. Yeah, well, they have to sneak the senator out through the drag club, and they dress him up in drag so that no one recognizes him. Um, I don't know. It's just one of those movies where, like, it, it just, I just keep coming back to it. It is like that, that's that sweet spot of the '90s where people were not maybe so worried about representation, and also I feel like it is not a movie that is trying to make the case for gay people. Like, please. Treat us like human beings because look, Robin Williams can play one of us. Like it just seems like <laughs> a, like a funny story about gay people, and I, it is charming to me, even with like the sun subplot. Even it gets on my nerves because like so much of it, like you're in this queer community, and the straight people who come into it are coming. They are the interlopers. Yes. Um, and it is fun watching these interlopers. Uh, <laughs> realize how out of depth, out of their, how out of their depth they are. I also think the the 
the, the scenes where they're having to redo their apartment so it doesn't look too gay. Because <laughs> there's uh, just penises everywhere. Penises everywhere. They're like, oh, we have to look waspy. We have to look waspy. <laughs> so they have a crucifix uh, on the wall. <laughs> just a large... Oh, yeah, because they're Jewish. They're yeah. Jewish there's family. also that aspect of, of like, uh, how different layers of marginalization and, like, the ways in which uh, the dominant American culture of, like, Protestant work ethic... Uh, good old American conservative, <laughs> like it, it, it leeches all the color out of everything. Um, I don't know. You could, you could write a very serious thesis about it, or you could make a fun couple of brunch cocktails and, and go to town with it on any given Saturday. And it, it does both. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. Uh, Mackenzie, you're number two. My number two is Pedro Almodovar's All About My Mother, 1999. Um, Pedro Maldivar is a very famous uh, uh, Spanish auteur. I recently found his work because I um, I've heard of him a bunch, uh, and so I've 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 been hearing about him as, as knowing so he's someone I needed to check out. And he recently had Parallel Mothers come out with Penelope Cruz, which I wanted her to win the Oscar for that. That's all I'll say. I'm a Penelope truther. Um, but I watched that. I was like, you know, I want to check out this Almodovar guy. And so I watched Parallel Mothers and I loved it. it absolutely blew me away. You know, it's... Uh, Almodovar is a queer filmmaker and so he... His movies are inherently queer in the way he has... His vision is. Uh, but he also en- envelops a lot of queer characters into it. And Parallel Mothers is a great, like, subtly... Um, but it's still importantly queer film. Uh, and I was like, all right, I want to watch another one by this guy. What am I going to watch? And so I I think I just saw All About My Mother was like the top rated one on Letterboxd. And I was like, I'll watch this movie. Um, and I was just kind of amazed at how much it uh, completely blew me away. Like I couldn't, I, I, I don't even know. I have yet to revisit it because it's so stuck in my brain. I have not stopped thinking about it for like two like months. I this is your mess pick, honestly. <laughs> this is of, like, super messy. Messy queer representation. It's very messy because I, I we talk I talked about it after I watched it with you. Um, I love when older movies, meaning like pre two thousand, I mm-hmm. guess, feel completely unbridled by the need for good representation. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like queer f- queer creators nowadays are really sidled with like if you don't give us good representation, we're gonna shit on your show on Twitter. We're never gonna watch your movie, and like I think that we should allow queer rep quote-unquote to be messy it should be allowed yeah. to be fucked up and crazy and weird it's and a hard line to walk because you understand why people have their their defenses up but at the same time like i i know that i needed quote-unquote queer rep when i was younger and now that i'm older what does that look like do i i can't be represented by like a sweet little high school boy <laughs> uh learning he's gay 15 more times like i there's got to be something there's got to be something for everybody yeah, and what I like about Almodovar's movies is the queerness is never the main thing. Everyone's just kind of gay. <laughs> You're like, okay, every, and it's always kind of insane. And, and uh, yeah, All About My Mother follows the story, and this isn't a spoiler necessarily. This is just the opening of the film. But no, it is a huge plot point, but, like, skip, like, 30 seconds if you want to hear it. Um, it's about a, a, a woman who has a, who's a single mother, and her son dies uh, pretty abruptly, um, chasing down the autograph of an actress he's a fan of. Um, and then it's just about this woman, like, figuring out this grief, kind of, and going to try to find the parent, um, the other parent of this, um, kid who is a trans woman. And that's the one downside of Almodovar's films, is that he makes a lot of amazing trans 
women characters, uh, but he generally never casts trans women in them, which is, uh, at least in his older movies, and I hope that that's something he can remedy in his newer films. That's the one downside of this movie to me. But even then, the trans women characters are some of the most, like, fleshed out, interesting, messy, beautiful, wonderful trans characters I've I've seen ever in my life. Um, Agadar is this, like, best friend character, and she's a sex worker, but she's, like, so funny and, like, so goofy, and she she's the heart of the film, and she's the character you fall in love with because she's just, like, the funky, spunky, hilarious best friend who is, like, always there for the main woman, and she's amazing, and Lola is the parent of this child and like she is a not a great person and like I think that that's awesome that she's allowed to not be a great person and that she she knocked this person up and left them and like she's also going through a lot of hard shit and the movie like lets you love her and care about her even in all of her flaws and you know the event her paths cross with like a young nun who is HIV positive and who like is dealing with that and they kind of have affection for each other. And there's these two actresses who are like drug addicts who are in love. And it's just this messy, crazy thing about these, this woman and her, how her life intersects with these other women after her son dies. And it, it is just so beautiful. I cannot believe how much it, it affected me. And I just think it is so, it's just an incredible movie that, yeah, it lets the queerness just be inherent to the narrative and it's never, because, like, I don't, I mean, like, I'm, we're, we're gay, we're queer, <laughs> but it's not, like, something I'm thinking about all the time. Like, it's just how I go through the world, and that's yeah. what Almodovar's characters are like to me. Like, their queerness is just, it informs a bit of how they go through the world, but it's never the whole of their identity, and they have, and it's just, it's also a beautifully directed film, it looks amazing, and the part that resonates with me is that Almodovar's love of women just like bleeds out from this film and he loves all kinds of women he loves cis women he loves trans women he loves straight women he loves gay women he loves he loves mothers daughters you know aunts he he loves women so much and the reverence he has as a gay man for women and mothers uh is I think just really beautiful and it just this movie is like I think so far of all the ones I've seen his best but he just makes amazing movies and so all about my mother immediately went onto my top four on Letterboxd because I could not stop thinking about it, and it's uh, it's an amazing film. I can't get over it, and I need you to watch it. <laughs> keep trying to make Rachel watch it. <laughs> Sweet. Um, okay, Rachel, it's time. I think we're at your number one. <sighs> okay. So, sorry, we're running so late. I'm so sorry. No complaints here. Uh, Bright Green Tomatoes is my top. Nice. Pick bold um, i haven't seen this since i was a kid like i feel like i was like little when i saw this the yeah. only thing i remember is the scene of her reaching into the bee-filled tree to grab the honey that's the only scene i remember from yes this, this was also a movie that i watched when i was a child and revisited later i watched it with my mom um okay. and i think this uh it, it's very funny because i talked to my mom after i watched it, i was like we watched this together and this is <laughs> very gay and my mom was like oh no they're friends and i was like <laughs> i hmm, i don't oh, they're besties they're, rachel they're just the gals to pals you and i are besties <laughs> yeah we're just besties we're just besties. Uh, they're just two women who open up a cafe together and raise a child to, together raise a child together murder people together yes i mean spoiler yes um, the scene where she is walking back with that jar full of honey that she just pulled out of a bee-filled tree, mm-hmm. and the way the other woman is looking at her is the gayest thing I've ever seen in a movie. I don't know how you though. could. I don't know how you could possibly think that they're just like best friends. I mean, yes. One, I'm going to start by saying I 100% agree with you. 
Yeah. It is so, so gay. But it's also a film that I feel like speaks to women in a very mm-hmm. specific way. Uh, it's it's a movie. I don't think I I don't see a lot of movies where older women are given the same space to like be human beings with like their own needs and motivations and wants mm-hmm. and like aspirations and the feelings of hitting a wall and feelings of wanting to be better. Um, so the Kathy Bates character, I think, is. It, it's like a it, it it's it's another movie that is not necessarily all about queerness you're dealing with multiple levels of marginalization and i i do love that like these marginalized people namely iggy and ruth who like aren't gay but aren't gay well in the book um, they are literally queer together I'm right not sure if they're explicitly queer but the thing is everyone knows so it also feels very specifically southern for me yeah. in that <laughs> way uh, because you do talk about, like, sometimes people are homophobic, but sometimes people are like, oh, that's just Iggy and Ruth. You know, like, that's just her neighbor's Iggy. They're that's, a little quirky. That's just Iggy and Ruth. Yeah, they're that's a little That's our Iggy and Ruth. <laughs> the and, accents like, in this movie are so good. <laughs> yes. I guess one yeah. of those deals where, like, uh, not, I feel like the South gets a, a bad rep mainly because of who, uh, gerrymandering and who runs, who runs the... We're yeah. from the south, yeah. we're from Tennessee, so that's why yeah. this is, it, yeah. It is near and dear to my heart because I, there's a whole subculture of people who survive and thrive in the south, uh, despite it being quite often a very hostile place to live if if you aren't the default, as it were. Um, but I, I don't know, it's just like, the, it's, 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 it tells so many brief little stories about what it is to survive and thrive. I keep coming, yeah, survive and thrive. Like, Ruth escapes a horrific marriage, a horrifically abusive relationship. Uh, You deal with racism in a way that feels realistic and, you know, coming from a white person. So major caveat for sure. But, like, these people all have to deal with things that you can make a whole movie about. Like, this is a movie about domestic violence. This is a movie about racism in the South. This is a movie about two queer women uh trying not to die uh but that's not the totality of any of these characters experiences like they deal with with realistic obstacles and realistic suffering but they also like they get to have these moments of of just being human beings and the way that like that's how it is in real life like it's not like every day we're like ah I wake up and remember that I'm oppressed. You know? Yeah, <laughs> like, there's a lot of good days. There's there are tons of good moments. Like it's 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 the totality of these lives, and it follows these women from childhood on. Uh, it could be a whole movie about Iggy losing her brother to this horrible train accident that scared the ever living shit out of me as a child. It was one of those things like like a uh, quicksand. Yep. Or an anvil falling out of the sky where I was like, boy, <laughs> one of the things I really have to be careful about is I can't get my shoes stuck in the railway tracks. Oh, yeah. I think about it every time I walk across oh, yeah. the railroad to go to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, like, ultimately, it's not something really I really have to worry about. <laughs> but it, at the forefront of my child's anxious mind. Um, but, like, it, like it's, it's just like, yeah, they just live their lives. They open their cafe. And, and it's implied, I think, in the movie more so in the book that Iggy is the one who's been telling Kathy Bates this this epic saga of these two women loving each other. Um, and that's that's nice. I, I, I enjoy that, too. But Iggy lives so yeah. long. Yeah. But, like, uh, it's also nice thinking about, like, uh, yeah, they died. They lived and they died, and people still remembered them. And you're dealing with this elderly woman uh, 
in in a nursing home like I get I you don't see a lot of humanity given to people um once they reach a certain age right like nursing homes are the the worst it's a horrible decision you have to make blah blah blah, blah. I, I could get into it but I won't uh but she's allowed this humanity too and allowed like I, I feel like it feels very southern to be like listen to your elders and respect your elders um and it deals with the modernity of like you don't even want to deal with aging you don't want to deal with like the realities of your body whatever that may be um it's a very like complex sweet little film and yeah like it's so many lightning strike moments of imagery imagery her reaching into the the beehive to get the honey for her lover like that's that's it I don't need anything else, you know? It's just gorgeous, and uh, it, it introduced the romanticism of it all. I feel like you can get into dangerous territory with the South and romanticism, for sure, but it is it does feel like that those like hot summer evenings and lightning bugs. It feels like home when it I watch like this home. movie. This and Steel Magnolias are my two movies that I'm like, mm-hmm. this feels queer to me, and like home, because like, and not that Steel Magnolias is queer, but like every gay man I ever knew was yes. obsessed with that movie. So like those yes. are my two like home movies. Like it's yeah. that community, that like small tight knit community that you form because you have to, but also you love these people so much. And also I, I will say it was very affirming for me to see. Uh, I think Iggy's Butch, absolutely. She's oh yeah, she's the just butch like, she's like the ultimate Butch swagger uh, <laughs> with her high femme partner. Like it is, she's she's this rough and tumble tomcat, Tom yeah. yeah. And so it's so good, it's so good, it's so lovely to see that and have that be like desirable. <sighs> we should watch Fried Green Tomatoes. It was also yeah. a very big movie for our relationship too that we watched and shared together, and you showed it to me for the first mm-hmm. time. Yeah, yeah. That was one of the first when we were long distance. Was one of the I first movies you showed mother, me. Like, thank you for showing me this deeply queer film. You didn't know what you were doing. The chocolate were, scene. The chocolate scene. That's like, sex, baby. It's, I mean, literally, it's, yeah. it's a metaphor for sex. Like, they're baking. No, they're not. What are you girls doing in here? Okay, put your aprons back on. Are you? <laughs> like, it's, it's, there's, it's, I don't. I don't. You I, got chocolate everywhere. Oh no. <laughs> oh god. I, I don't. It's just like it's one of those things where like uh, it's. It, it just, it ticks a lot of good cozy boxes in terms of like, oh, I'm, I miss home and I miss the food. And it I reminds miss, me of you. Yeah. And it's like, uh, I can be a, a swaggering southern bee charmer. You're my just little co- bee charmer. Just covered in bees from shoulder to fingers, just walking through Absolutely. the field. Absolutely. Yeah. I literally, I seriously, it's been 20 years. I remember nothing else about this movie except for that <laughs> one very specific moment. I don't know why I mean, it's so just burned into my brain. It's that one, and, and the other one is when they're they're playing cards and, and skinny dipping. And mm. it's just like, it just feels like very, like, country <laughs> in a way that's very familiar. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, what a good movie. I love you. I love you, too. <laughs> All right, Mackenzie, you're number one. I mean, Ooh. was it ever was it was it ever any? No, this a doubt is the reason that Ty immediately was like, "Oh, Mackenzie's was B, huh?" <laughs> I was never a doubt in anyone's mind. I think I've talked about this movie on fifteen different podcasts. Um, but spreading the good word, Bound, the Wachowskis. It's the best movie ever made. <laughs> that's it. That's my soul. Can you imagine? Um, no. Uh, I just, I mean, anyone, I'm sure a lot of people who listen to this podcast know me from discords or other things, uh, and everyone knows I'm obsessed with this movie. Um, Our mutual friend Ned showed it to both of us, I think, I remember, and blew my mind away, because 
you know, I was blushing for a bit. The first I joke, I, th- I say, how I sell it to people is I say the first 20 minutes is like a softcore porn. Uh, that's what it's going to be like. <laughs> and don't then, watch it with your parents. Don't watch it with your parents. <laughs> and the next 70 minutes is going to be one of the best, uh, most well-directed and well-executed uh, fiasco mafia movies I, you've like ever seen. It's just the tightest noir. It's so Ooh. good. I, I definitely, as I got more into movies, I've realized that noir and neo-noir is definitely like my favorite genre of film. I love the theatricality and the dramaticism and the bold directing that comes with noir and neo-noir. And so... Genre-wise, it fits into a pocket I love. It is so gay and so amazing. It's directed by two queer women. It's it's, and I think that that lens um, shows to me. Though oh, at yeah. the time when the film came out, obviously we didn't know they were queer women. But looking in hindsight, I'm like, oh yeah, there's no way <laughs> this like, like the, there's a certain, um, not that, like I said, like there's so many movies I love that are directed by straight people that are about queer people that's like that's not something i feel bad about but like there is something special about a movie that is directed by a queer person like desert hearts has like the 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 sex scene in that film has such a meticulous and tender hand to it that might not have been there if it was directed by a straight man like i think a blue is the warmest color which is like thought of as a big exploitative gross film because those actresses and characters were sexualized as opposed to like cared for Mm -hmm. um and so I think that, like, there's sometimes there's something to a vision that fits the, the film that there's elevates no translation it. translation that's That even. elevates it. And yeah. so, like, looking at this movie in hindsight, I'm like, of course two queer women made it. Because when I look at the culture, the characters, the... the every, the, Just the, the in, way things are framed. Yeah, like, the innate like, queerness Thank God we got a movie filmed by the Wachowskis who, like, both of them are so meticulous. Yeah. And... And they really said, we're going to give you the best lesbian neo-noir ride of your life. <laughs> I mean, it is, it is my favorite queer movie. It is probably, like, one of, if not my favorite movies, period, of all time. I just think it is a genius movie. I think that... Um, you can't pick a single shot. Like, the one that comes to mind is when the cop steps on the rug that's saturated with blood <laughs> because of the... the the bloodbath that had happened just prior that they're they're trying to cover up and, and watching like the blood ooze up from the carpet from the weight of his foot on it like it oh that's the good shit that's the good shit Ooh, put it in my veins baby i love it so much it's just it's so i mean the cinematography is phenomenal i'm so glad the movie is getting new life since the wachowski's new movie came out or lana's movie came out so a lot of people were revisiting their films and finding that like bound is like the best one they've <laughs> other than the matrix really that they've done it so it's just amazing and um there's a, a we talk about you know like how um and this is a very white movie, but like how a lot of queer films are very white, but there's also they're also very feminine. Mm-hmm. Like we don't get a lot of like butch characters. Oh my god! And, and Corky, Corky is, is such a butch. She's such a sexy, fun butch, and we don't and get like, to see a lot of butch see women. When you do see butches, normally it's like, haha, this woman's masculine. And That's the joke. But like, she's sexual. You get that, and like, you want she her. Is, yeah, she is framed like she is the hottest person in the film, and I would argue that she, she is. is. I mean, she's she's the James Dean. She has that like Marlon Brando swagger about her, and she feels like a classic, sexy male lead. And but she gets to be this hot butch, and like that is just so fun and amazing for me. And then, and you know, Violet is this perfect femme fatale, and I love. She gets to have this this like power. Just the damsel in distress, like she has this gorgeous. You don't know shit. That's the best line in the whole movie. It's so good. 
Caesar, you don't know shit. <laughs> it's like the best line in the whole movie. It's just, I just think it is really the best movie ever made. I just think I it like is. your Labrys. You surprised I know what that is. You surprised I know what that is. We also quote Bound like at least daily in this household. Um, There's definitely a line with a slur in it. I won't say here what we say to each other constantly constantly, uh, because we think it's very funny. Um, Joey Pants uh, gives phenomenal powerhouse performance in that movie. Uh, It's one of those things where like also when you come out and people are like, we don't have a lot of good movies, but if you want some movies with gay people, we can give you like recs for these movies that suck, but they do have gay people in it. And I'm like, what are you doing? Of course we have good movies. Of course. Wait, what do you mean I had to wait until I was, what, 25 before? To realize we had great movies. What are you talking about? No no shade to Imagine Me and You. Not at all. I love Imagine Me and You. I think it's a very sweet movie, but my God. (laughs) Get out of here. It's probably for the best that I didn't know about Bound until my my brain was in theory fully formed because it would have become... <laughs> it, it would have driven every decision that I make. <laughs> I'm obsessed with it. A Bound. completely totalizing experience. It is so, oh, it is so good. Imminently quotable. Just the best. Ugh. Like the thing is, you're like, talking about my movie more than I, I am I, because it's, it's like it's like the gay godfather for me. <laughs> yeah, yes. literally. I would say I feel so like bound good. more than the godfather. Like I'm gonna, I could also me. make a, I can make a pretty strong argument that the godfather is very gay. Uh, I won't, but I could. But it, this is like the actual gay godfather. Rachel's for me. new edition is the godfather. Well, yeah. like are we are we movies. planning a movies that aren't gay but are gay episode in the future? Oh, so I would absolutely do that. Hours of content. <laughs> hours and hours of content. Just off the top of my head. It's just a lot of homoeroticism. Men love to be friends and really close to each other's faces <laughs> Sometimes in movies. when you love someone, you have to kill them. <laughs> and when you think about it, the gun's very phallic. And so it symbolizes... <laughs> you're, you're talking like, 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 like that's not true, though. Sometimes you love somebody so much that you have to destroy them or your sense of self will be obliterated. I oh, love my God. Mess. Oh, right. Well, that's not Bound. <laughs> Bound is yet another example of a... Yeah. Well, me like talk. I swear to God. Sorry, this is my movie. Oh, it's, it's, um, it's our movie, comrade. Um, yeah. I just want to finish it by saying, once again, Bound is another example of a happy ending movie. Mm-hmm. There's... Uh, another movie I adore. I have a dishonorable mention list because I want to say there's so many amazing queer movies we did not mention at all. And there's, mm-hmm. there's just even hugely famous ones like Carol. It's just implied. Carol's always there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like shit like that. There's so many good movies. But Thelma and Louise is another movie I love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert. They die at the end of that movie. Uh, and there's this amazing, I have a bound Blu-ray, Guinevere Turner. God, 15 mentions in this episode. Watermelon Woman, Go Fish. Amazing lesbian uh, she also uh, wrote the adaptation for American Psycho. Mm-hmm. A lesbian wrote that movie. We love to mm-hmm. see it. Um, <laughs> by the way, by the way, a lesbian wrote American Psycho, so you all can suck my butt. Um, but she she wrote this great. Um, uh, 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 my God, what do you call a paper? I don't know. Uh, Essay. essay. She wrote a great essay called We Know How This Ends for the Bound Blu-ray. And it was talking about how this movie came out similarly, like five years after. Um, five, maybe four years after Thelma and Louise. And obviously queer women latched onto that film. But in it, we were used to us dying at the end of movies. And so we weren't too, you know, we were used to it. And we could love these characters and we could love the queerness um, that was sort of unsaid between Thelma and Louise, but still very there. Um, and Gwyneth Turner writes about being a lesbian consumer at that time hearing about this bound movie 
them being like, all right, we know what's going to happen. And then like this catharsis of, uh, oh, wait. They got away with They're it. holding hands and they're they're riding off in the distance and, and and they're not riding off a cliff. <laughs> like it's it's they get to win and they get and it, and it feel like it's just it's 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 another movie that kind of at its time dared to be happy. And it's a movie where like I in terms of like the intercommunity politics, like there's there occasionally is weirdness in terms of like butch women, masculinity, high femme women or women who can pass as straight. Uh, there's conversations that they have where Violet's like, yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is just work for me. Like, yeah, men think I'm hot and men view you as a threat. And those are experiences that, you know, we're, we're having and that we're not sharing. But at the end, Quirky it's, looks it's, over to Vi and is like, you know what, I think, you know what difference. I think the difference is between you and me? And Vi's like, what? <laughs> and Jennifer Tilly's gorgeous raspy voice. I'm like, nothing. We're all the same. We're all together. No, yeah. it's we're just together and we did it. We pulled off a heist and, and we looked hot doing it and it was fantastic and uh and uh brawn played a part as did brains it's it's the perfect heist movie it's a perfect a movie ways. period like even even if you're like i don't know if i'm into the gay stuff but there for the high stuff get there for the high stuff yeah do it for the for the chicago mafia vibes yeah so found the best movie of all time uh that's it perfect okay why don't we let's take a quick break uh and get ty in here we'll be right back cool Hey y'all, thank you so much for hanging out with me and Mackenzie and Rachel on this episode so far. Um, I hope you're having as much fun as I did. I just, I think Mackenzie and Rachel are two of the funniest people in the world. And so I'm so, so, so thankful that they uh, agreed to take over our silly little podcast for an episode. So I'm sure you're having a blast. Um, Wanted to jump in here, let you guys know a few things. Um, Go listen to the Austin Danger podcast uh, that Mackenzie does with good friend of the show, Kev. It's a blast. They're so fun. They have such incredible podcast chemistry. And if you're enjoying this episode, you're going to enjoy that one. I'm 100% sure of it. Um, But I also wanted to let you know next week it is draft time again. It is that time of the month. We are going to do another draft episode. We're going to be joined by Brian Gill and Tobin Hodges from the Spread the Floor podcast. And we are going to be drafting a basketball team made up of fictional characters. Um, so if you want to draft along with us, we're drafting five starters, uh, a sixth man, and a coach. And the rules are any fictional characters, uh, they have to be like humanoid characters. Uh, so no like big scary monsters or anything. Um, no superpowers, no magic. Uh, other than that, though, go crazy. Draft along with us. Dra- do some drafts with your friends. Uh, send the list over to us, and we'll judge them for you. Uh, but that's next week's episode. Trying to keep things a little different, a little interesting than just your regular whole like hey, Danny and Ty rank things thing that you get every week. Hopefully, you guys are enjoying those a uh, little bit different episodes. Uh, but let us know. Um, also, join our Discord. It's free. Um, we've got about fifty people in there, and we are having a great time. Um, you can find the link to that in our show notes or in our social media bios. All right, back to the episode. We are back with this week's. It's, it feels weird to say guest judge, so I'm just gonna say judge. It's Ty. <laughs> What's up? Hey, hey man. Yeah, special <laughs> guest judge, well, greatest guest judge, mm, maybe. No? <laughs> no, I mean none of the above, but it's fine. You're here. You're probably a judge. the best. Probably the best <laughs> ever. I mean, you're a yeah. judge, and it's fine. You're here. It's fine. it's. We don't really need any honorifics. I don't think. Um, <laughs> Uh, we're here, uh, th- we just got in with, this is going to be the longest episode, by the way. You missed the first part. It was over two hours. Uh, this is going to be the longest episode. Well, yeah, episode I was supposed to be here. So 
I was supposed to be here at 7. It is now almost 8.30. So I've been sitting at my computer. Um, I ended up just watching a bunch of Fall Out Boy, Blink-182. As one does. Uh, yeah. Alex Leahy music videos. Right. So, like, nice. yeah. Typical Sunday night. We're queering your podcast by doubling its runtime. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. Yes. Queer it up. I love it. Yeah. Um, is there anything we feel like we need to hit on before we just get right into it and I read these lists out to you? Uh, have we all seen Top Gun Maverick? <laughs> you have 18 times, I think. Oh, my but, God. Uh, I think I, I might go see it, it tonight again for the fourth time. It's so good. <laughs> we should see it. We should go see it. Honestly, it rules. Oh, my gosh. Y'all haven't seen it yet? It rules so hard. Mm-mm. I've oh. not seen the original Top Gun either, so I need to see I feel like I need to see the first one. We do have to start one. with the first oh, one. Oh, yeah. Speaking oh of uh, your honorable mention. Well, Top Gun, I mean, yeah. that's like, that could have easily, the Very original good. one could have easily fit in either list. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I'm. This guy's being dudes. I'm giving it a week yeah. before I make the official decision, but it might make its way into my Letterbox top four. Like already did it. Yeah. It's already in my top Whoa. four. It's so good, dude. Oh my god, yeah. it's so good. It's so amazing. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, all right, let's get into it. Um, Ty, if you're ready, uh, of course you've been here, but in case any listeners are just joining, uh, read these lists out labeled list A and list B, and then. Uh, Ty, you kind of have the floor to do whatever you want for a little bit. You can break these down uh, one by one. You can kind of give yeah. big, broad <laughs> reaction, whatever. If you brought your own list, that'd be a good time to read it there. All you have to do, though, is pick a winner. Uh, Hopefully, yeah. I still haven't picked a winner yet. So. We'll see. <laughs> Go ahead and read this. I'm shocked. <laughs> so if Knowing your taste, I'm shocked. <laughs> so, yeah, I have no idea who I'm going to pick for a winner. Before I read these, did you get to all of them? I know you said you were going to try. Uh there were two that I didn't get to. Um, it was Priscilla and the. Um, it was two on McKenzie's list. I know whose list. Okay. Is. It was two on McKenzie's list, and I didn't get to them. But I have five from Rachel's list and five from McKenzie's list in my top ten. So. Okay. Oh, also, uh, McKenzie swapped her five and six. So I'll when yeah, I read them true. out to you, it's it's going to sound a little different from the list I sent you. That was a game time decision. Oh, that's so, fine. Uh, yeah. All right. List A, the honorable mentions are Benedetta, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, and Pride. Number 10 is Booksmart. Nine is Appropriate Behavior. Eight is Debs. Seven is The Favorite. Six is Saving Face. Five is Can You Ever Forgive Me. Four is Chasing Amy. Three is Moonlight. Two is The Birdcage. And number one is Fried Green Tomatoes. List B, the honorable mentions are Batman and Robin, The Matrix, and Fight Club. <laughs> number 10 is Desert Hearts. Nine is The Rocky Horror Picture Show. Eight is The Watermelon Woman. Seven is Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Six is Brokeback Mountain. Five is Funeral Parade of Roses. Four is But I'm a Cheerleader. Three is Tongues United. Two is All About My Mother. And number one is Bound. Tie of the floor. Okay, before I say anything, Danny, have you seen Rocky Horror Picture Show? No, I haven't seen any any of the top ten on Mackenzie's list. Okay, I'm jotting that down because that seems like a summer movie. I might bring that up for We Should Watch a Movie because that – I fucking oh, love yeah. Rocky Horror Picture Show. Cool. Mark that down. What did I cut? Oh, no. I, this, I'm popping an explicit tag on this one because I forgot to give them a heads up. Uh, and there's I can't. I don't have the time. Oh, it's all right. <laughs> oh, we right. said some words. We said arguably the worst <laughs> words. So. Oh, it's it not was, the worst. I mean, on the, scale the, of, on the scale of words. My mother would be least proud of. <laughs> See you next Tuesday. You know? Oh, it's all right. fine. Okay, let's. I'll ask some questions first, Mackenzie. 
please explain your honorable <laughs> mentions. Please. Okay, well, uh, I, get is... I get Fight Club. I get Fight Club. Yeah, Fight Club makes gay sense. as hell. Yeah, yeah, Fight it's Club so is gay, gay as hell. Um, and that's and then the then... reason I knew it was your list because you talked about it on Austin Danger podcast. I did. I did. And Bound, um, obviously. But yeah, <laughs> explain why Matrix and the worst Batman movie is on your honorable list. <gasps> <laughs> um, yeah. So, so Matrix. I was talking about how um, in recent years, since the Wachowskis have come out, it's been highly noted as a trans narrative of okay. this idea of the the person you are who is who you feel you are inside, but it's not necessarily the person you get to be in the real world. And so, like, there was a lot of more queer stuff. Like, here's our switch, that, like, very pale person. They were originally supposed to be, like, uh, to be binary about it, male outside of the Matrix and a woman inside of the Matrix. And okay. so that was supposed to be... The, but then they, the studio had them change it. But there's still a lot of trans undertones of, like... That, that, and the Wachowskis have talked about, like, yeah, we were both dealing with our, our gender shit around this time. And that, like... The, the scene where, you know, like, Mr. Anderson, the, the, the poison with which that is said to him feels like dead naming. And when he says, yeah. no, my name is Neo, like, that, the power within being who you truly feel you are uh, is a really kind of great trans narrative. So that's why it was on my... Because it's not, like, necessarily there in the text, but it's there in the subtext and the um, excavation that's been done of the film since the filmmakers came out. So that's why I put it in my honorable mentions. Did Danny tell you there's definitely a matrix bias on this podcast and it's leading to the negative? No, because I fucking love the Matrix, so I did not. Yeah, listen, yeah, we were all having a good time. I didn't want to ruin the mood. We don't like the Matrix very much. I'm so sorry. Me and Danny are not yeah. fans of the Matrix. I fell asleep like four times before I actually. Well, you're the not movie. fan of The Shape of Water either, and that's why we're enemies well, that's true. deep down. Yeah. But I do love you. It's okay. Um, no, uh, no. I, I mean, we both watched the Matrix for the first time. Moss? This is not a care. Are you Carrie Ann Moss? Hey. I would I would kiss that woman so hard. (laughs) I'd kiss that lady. Um, Yeah, no, we watched it both for the first time in December, and we just kind of had our minds blown because we we didn't watch it. We watched it like within the last six months, and so it's just a movie I've I've loved then. And then Batman and Robin, I love that movie a lot. um, Is it the Bat Nipples? Is that what the bat camp of it all? Including yeah. the bat. So Joel Schumacher is a very gay director, <laughs> and yeah, so that is yeah, why the the, 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 que- the the queerness. I mean, he's a gay man. The queerness gets ramped up in his films because he is bringing his gay camp sensibility to his filmmaking. Um, I like it because it kind of harkens back to the silliness of the original series, and then I, and I just I just find it to be so fun. And like I said it earlier, like Bane looks like a leather daddy. Uma, Uma Thurman is fully a drag queen. Like she is fully just a f- drag queen. The homoeroticism is there. The bat nipples. The it's it's just a very gay movie made by a very gay man. And I just that's why I love it because it feels like just this unhinged stupid shit that I love. Um, and there's no question that it was made by a gay person. And that's why. Uh, and it's just a movie I personally adore. So that's why it was on my 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 mentions. Yeah. Is that what's missing from? Dark Knight Returns or yes. Dark yes. Knight Rises. Yes. Bane isn't a leather is, daddy in that. Yeah, we right? no leather. Trilogy. He's not wearing any leather. It is unrelentingly heterosexual. To, you know, <laughs> well, it's Christopher was busy Nolan. With, it's there's zero sexuality. It's not even like it's heterosexual. It's just no sexuality whatsoever. It's like what if we filmed in Chicago and in Gotham was Chicago and it wasn't fun. <laughs> 
I sent in a yeah, voicemail the to is... Austin Danger Podcast. <laughs> yes. Christopher Nolan, the least sexual director of all time. <laughs> like, truly, I, I, I do love that he just dares to be insane, and I love that. <laughs> I love that for Joel. And then he made Phantom of the Opera, King. We love to Another see Another movie that I feel like Still, people did me not and Danny... like, I was like... <gasps> climbing the walls about it. I love that movie. Are you kidding me? Me and Danny still haven't seen Phantom of the Opera. Yes, I have. It's How dare you? stupid. I have. I've, I seen, love it. It. I've I, seen it and I love my it. My father you? loves that movie. It's great. Really? I love that movie. Okay. Me and Rachel, we talk a lot throughout this episode that you will hear that, of things we quote frequently. And we quote Minnie Driver in that movie all the time. What did she say a lot? What she's like, if these things keep on happening, this thing does, does not, not happen. happen. <laughs> like her and, and the opera is so good. I'm just... Another drag queen performance. I'm brave enough. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, the opera rules. Also, Ty, I don't know if you've uh, oh. listened to the rankings before, but we do this thing on the show sometimes where we uh, theme our honorable mentions kind of outside of the actual yeah, list. Yeah, well, so. I was but trying to figure it out because, like, I'm like, no, 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 Fight Club, like, <laughs> makes sense because it's, like, such a bro movie. Like, it is the most bro movie ever that, like, guys don't understand that it's a very gay movie. Yeah, McKenzie described it as a gay Because the guy movie. who wrote the book is, is gay, mm-hmm. yeah, and yeah. people don't know that. But I was just like Wachowski's okay. That makes sense with the Matrix, but Batman and Robin, I was just like very confused. It's like the worst Batman movie ever, and I don't know why it's on the a list. Or the best. I mean, I don't know one better than this one. So <sighs> maybe Robin everyone. Has one fan, it's you. Yeah, if, if Batman and Robin has one fan on this entire earth, it is me <laughs> with my five star review on Letterboxd. Okay, I have a question for Rachel. Why is Saving Grace the greatest rom com of all time? Uh. I talked about this. It is because it is a rom-com that does not just deal with the relationship between the rom-comies. Uh, it involves like, a, like it, it's it's the mommy issues of it all. It's the daddy issues of it all. Like every character is living their own life and having their own, like everyone is fully realized. I don't, it's like a rom-com. Uh, it, it sounds silly to say that we're like, you can care about everyone. But it really is like she's just walking around filming this very dysfunctional family and and loving them very fiercely and like just existing in this community. And uh, it is I, I don't know. It's like it's 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 I feel like a lot of rom-coms are popcorn or they're junk food, like maybe not the best for you, but like whatever. It's not about what's best for you. It's about like sometimes I just want a snack. This yeah. is a full course meal. One hundred percent. I had an experience watching this for the first time because I messaged Mackenzie about this after I reviewed it. I gave it five stars. It I was saw that. amazing. I was like, yes. It was like Danny, like Danny, this is right up your alley, dude. Like you would love this. I watched it and I was just like, why has this never crossed my path? And I was looking at the poster. I'm like, oh, this is the worst poster in movie history on Letterboxd. And that's why I never watched it. Right. Well, I was saying, I, I said back to you, it's not even the main couple. It's her and her mom. Yeah. And it, yeah. the way the the poster is framed looks like it should be the main couple. Yeah. And yeah. the mom's in a wedding dress, so you're getting, like, graduate vibes oh, from yeah. it. But it's fully her and her mom. It's not <laughs> the romance at all. Is, we need so a new poster. poster. We do. We, we, we need Saving face looks like one people. word. Like, why did they squish it together to make it look like one word? That why are they weird. on a park bench? It's not a very good Letterbox Let's, like, petition. To our letterbox it's friends. It's a rom-com for people with commitment issues 
who oh, uh, yes. have this Bring commitment issues yes. because yes. you're having to deal with a lot of family stuff yes. and you're just kind of yes. busy right now yes. and like maybe later and like I would love to do this but like I'm sorry my mom just called can I take this really <laughs> oh my gosh yes no we recently did our rom-com episode and like I'm kind of ashamed that I had never seen it because it would have definitely made my top five it is yeah. so good it's we so should good. watch it again. Danny, I want to watch it. It is like so right bad. up your alley. I'm telling you right now, you would. No, you would love stars. it, Danny. <laughs> Are you gonna pick it for um, watch okay. it? Okay. Can I just like watch it? Yeah, you can just watch okay, it. Thank you. Yeah, because I don't we think you could it. recast this movie. It's like kind of perfect. No. Almost. It's perfect. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so I'll go through my top ten that I ranked out of the movies that were given to me. Uh, my honorable mentions were movies that weren't mentioned, though. Uh, one is the I'm Not Okay music video uh, by My Chemical Romance, which is coming from a, a person that lived in Texas where all of this, this was the first time I had ever seen anything in media where it was like, yeah, gay is okay. I'm not okay. My Chemical Romance. That was the first time I was like, oh, then my parents are just stupid. Um, so you're experiencing a total renaissance now with My Chemical Romance. Oh, yeah. Reuniting they're super, they're super oh, no. uh, yeah, gay friendly, too. They love gay people. It's great. No, yeah. I love, they're my favorite. Still my favorite to this day. Um, Mitchell's vs. Machines was not on here. I I mean, you got Alex Leahy doing almost the entire soundtrack. Um, that <laughs> pissed off so many people, which honestly is my favorite part of any gay movie is just straight people getting pissed off and uncomfortable. I love it so much. Have I told you about going um, to see Rocket Man in theaters and when Elton John, the famously incredibly gay man, does the sex scene with Richard Madden, two old men in front of me just got pissed off and stormed out of the theater. Like, hey, bud, you're watching, like, what you watching an Elton John biopic. What do you think? You're seeing an Elton John movie. What do you think we're going to get into? That's, they're like, we thought this would be like Bohemian Rhapsody and they'd take all this shit out. <laughs> what? Which, uh, uh, um, the, a pride, the pride movie on Rachel's list where they have like, oh, we don't represent any gay artists here. And they go and sign the number for like support for gay people. And it's like right under Elton John's poster in like oh the front God. of the building. Yeah. I love it. That was one of my favorite moments of pride. It was so fun. But no, yeah. I love, we love Mitchell's vs. Machines. We just watched it. I think I, I guess I just didn't even think about it putting animation on my list, there's, though. There's but I do so love many, that movie. There's so many gay movies. To talk <laughs> there's about. too many gay movies. It's Alex Leahy. You know, I always got to mention Alex Leahy because I love Phoebe Bridgers, but Alex Leahy should be, should be the, the girl lesbian uh, musician <laughs> everyone talks about. Um, Phoebe Bridgers? Bisexual. What? So yeah. there's room for everybody. Yeah. Totally. Uh, she can be the bisexual one. Alex Leahy can be the lesbian one. And I don't then even know who Alex Leahy is. So yeah. we're like, oh my God. We'll talk about it later. And Phoebe <laughs> just got engaged, didn't she? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Somebody, yeah, yeah. Some Irish actor. I don't know Congrats. who he is. Congrats. Phoebe Bridges. She was Bridges. waiting for us to say happy <laughs> engagement. <laughs> um, okay. Well, my next honorable mention, Shiva Baby. Yeah. Oh, oh, I went back movie. and forth. It's so good. It's also the worst thing I've ever seen. It's so and the worst thing I've ever seen. That. I mean, I spent the entire time being like, I'm going to yeah. projectile yeah. vomit the past 15 years of my it's life. It's 80 <laughs> minutes of an anxiety attack to watch. It's so stressful. It's yes. so good. That's like the one movie on, like, like on my list, on both the lists, that I really want to criterion. Like, I want to know what went into making Shiva Baby. Because it clearly oh, yeah. is very personal to the director. 
like because it is very real it is very stressful but yeah love shiva baby um a single man directed by tom ford it's you know i mean I, we've not seen that movie wait Best use of Which color point? I've ever seen in my entire life. A single man is Colin Firth and Julianne Moore, No, right? I have yep. seen that one. It's a serious man that we haven't seen. Wait, what are we talking about? A serious man single? is... I think, a ser- I think those are the same movie in my brain. No, no, no. A serious man is um, the Coen, Coen brothers. right? Yes. Yeah. A single I, man is Tom Ford's films. first movie. I've yeah. not seen either of Honestly, these Honestly, I really like the single man. I've never seen uh, I don't know. Julianne Moore looks hot in the photos, isn't it? Oh, he gets, yeah. it, if you want Julianne Moore being you hot know. and very weird and... I love Julianne Moore. Having no sense of boundaries. <laughs> there's just like, there's like a real visceral thing in that movie mm-hmm. where they, everything is directed, like the colors change depending on if the main character's depressed or not. And <laughs> if he's, if he's like really depressed, the colors are very dull and you can like honestly see the colors lighten up when he gets happy and it's just i mean tom ford it's just like he's just the freaking aesthetic king like it's just so good it's amazing i gotta rewatch it i don't think i've watched it since i need to watch it so yeah and then last on my honorable mention no call me by your name like timothy chalamet like if you wanted to win this episode you would have put this on your list if you would have won because timothy chalamet is the greatest actor of all time I've never seen that I movie. I have nothing against Timothee Chablagoo. <laughs> okay. We call him Chablagoo in our we call him Chablagoo in our house. I can't even remember why. I think okay. it was. I think we just think <laughs> it's probably a group chat meme that went too far, and now it's it's. No, we genuinely like him. I don't know what we call him Chablagoo, and we do like him. I don't know why, but I've never seen that movie. Uh, but I don't super love movies that depict like um. It's, it's it's illegal in our country age differences, and so I've kind of there's, avoided there's it. There's a weirdness okay. there, and it does not. I think maybe I know I, he fucks a peach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to see that. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's like a good movie. I'm gonna watch it eventually. I, I just mentioned kind of that like, in my uh, like Austin Baker podcast voicemail. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there was a lot of like stuff around it when it came out, and I was like, I'm gonna keep watching Carol and just go over here. Um, <laughs> Carol has its own like weird... age. It has its own age difference, but she watch. has like a developed brain and, and carol and he's like a 16 year old right it's one of those things yeah. where like i don't know we missed the boat and now it feels now weird I, to hop on so late now but, army yeah. hammer is a can- <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> now army hammer is again but but timothy chalamet should have won it. best actor that year instead of um uh whoever played uh the english dude um <laughs> There's a lot of English. Who dudes played the? Oscar. Who played the English? Danny, I'm, I'm like I don't know. At you on my screen. <laughs> you just said the English dude. I don't know what that means. He, uh, uh, Gary Oldman what movie? played. Um, uh, oh, Winston, Winston Churchill. Churchill. Yeah. Oh, are you joking? <laughs> okay, are you sure? No, I feel like we should watch it eventually. I just have avoided it. I, I know that yeah. the screenshot of him weeping at the end of it uh, does make me oh. want to, to to cradle his his little curly. I've head. seen like every other movie that kid's done. <laughs> like I'm just saying, so I bought my stock. He's the biggest shoplifter. I stop. I bought my stock Lady Bird days, and it is paying off greatly right now with Timothy will, Timothy Chalamet. I will say this: he's uh, he he uh, redeemed the character of Lori. And Little Women. Oh, he's amazing. And I thought that was impossible. Oh, so. my God. See, Rachel, now you know why when uh, when Danny went off screen, the picture was up. Oh, yeah, it's because we share a Zoom account. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. set it up. Yeah, I, I set it up. <laughs> yeah. 
it's yeah, Timmy. we it's we. Timmy. I love the little women. We probably shouldn't talk about it because me and Danny could talk about it for like five hours about how we that's really one of the greatest on movies. Little Women that, podcast. That, that's, a, that's a gay movie. Oh that's yeah, another gay movie. Joe. It's just a movie. Oof. It's just a movie Oof. that's fucking fantastic. It's one of the best. <laughs> I love that movie so much. Okay, going in my top ten. Number ten, Bound. Um, Bound would have been in my top five if Joe Pa wasn't doing the worst Chicago accent of all time and then switching into a New York accent. offended our guests, Ty. You offended our friends. It's called Danny, have you seen Bound? I am adding it to the We Should Watch a Movie list because Bound, like, one of the best, like, just store, like, in general, one of the best, like, it, like, you you feel the terror going on throughout the movie. It's the only problem is Joe Pa's accent is switching throughout the entire movie. It makes no sense. (laughs) Well, the D's, the D's are very Midwestern. Like, because Mm -hmm. it's in Chicago, there's like, it's like that weird, like he probably came from New York, but there's this Midwestern, like the way he talks like with this sort of Midwestern-y Wisconsin-y, like, yeah, like it's kind of, it's very Illinois. But he goes so hard in some scenes into the Chicago accent. Like he's doing like the the Bears SNL yes, with, yes, like, yeah. yes, yes, yes. I will say ridiculous. a testament to his acting that that's the voice that's coming out of him, and I'm still. <laughs> oh, my hearing aid. I, uh, yeah, oh, you don't got no batteries. But that, like, I'm kind of ashamed I didn't include that in our fictional crimes episode because that'd be a great one. That was just, uh, oh my gosh, chef's kiss. It was so good. Um, <laughs> number nine, all about my mother. I want to talk about this movie, but one, I feel like if I talked about it and then talked about the ending, people would think I'm on drugs. And I also don't want to ruin it for anyone because it's such a, it's one of those movies where like, you got to watch it. And I hate saying that. I hate saying like, you got to watch it. But it's, it's one of those movies. I don't want to ruin anything, but All About My Mother. So freaking amazing. It's so good. Um, Number eight, Fight Club. I get it. I get why <laughs> oh, this is oh. on every list. It makes so much sense. It is lower on my list because the film bros are just so gosh dang annoying about this. Like, my God, the <laughs> amount of people in my freshman dorm building that had this poster <laughs> on their walls that were just the worst people in the world that had the Fight yeah. Club poster. It's just, yeah. We need uh, to reclaim it. The queers need to reclaim Fight Club. Please. And the bros need to let go of it. Please. Uh, please. Or come out. One of the yeah. two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the bros need to come out and be one of us or leave it the fuck alone. <laughs> I, I, I know for a That's fact a big, that that's a big ask. the most hardcore Fight Club. <laughs> There's no way. It's okay. It's fine. You hold hands. You can, that, you can touch without hitting each other. It's okay. I that's promise. a big ask. We construct intricate rituals <laughs> that allow you to touch the skin of other men. Okay. <laughs> Uh, okay, my number seven, Booksmart. Me and Danny have talked about this movie all the time. It, it, it It's the modern day um, super bad. It's amazing. Yes. It's hilarious. It's so fun to watch. Um, uh, the book, what did I, I texted Danny, uh, the Booksmart of this year is, uh, oh my gosh, what is that movie that I watched? Danny, I texted yeah, you I about remember. it. I do remember you texted It's another Hulu. <laughs> it's another Hulu. Hulu's kind of like owning the corner of this like high school mm-hmm. hilarious whatever uh crush crush crush, crush, is say, is the crush. i haven't seen crush smart. yet yeah 
crushes the book smart of this year. It is hilarious. It's so good. Um, yeah. But yeah, Hulu's kind of cornering the market of like high school, I don't know, comedies, I guess. Yeah. Sure. It's amazing. Um, number... Sorry, our cats are meowing and it no, made us fine. sad again. Ellen's dog is in the background our of every single we should watch. Putting their mouth. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, number six, The Birdcage, which we did an episode on for We Should Watch a Movie. Yes. Freaking so hilarious. Good. Yes, this movie is so amazing. I love this movie so much. Robin Williams, just a hero in this. Nathan Lane, who is great in literally everything he's in. Like, I don't know another actor. Like, him and Jack Black are, like, the only two actors that have been great in everything they're in, regardless of whether the movie's good or not. Um, but, yeah, Birdcage is amazing. Number five, Tongues Untied. My God. Mackenzie, why did you make me watch this? It is just... Because it's perfect. It's so good. so freaking good. But my God, I did not have to sit through that. It's just so good. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so good. It's not even that long. It's like 55 minutes, but like... It's oh. so short, yeah. Oh, that is tough. It is... It's just so visceral, you know? Uh, but another happy watch, but I'm a cheerleader. Amazing. So fun. That movie is um, so fun. The cameos in that. RuPaul. Amazing. Made me laugh so hard. I, I thought I was going to break a rib. Uh, RuPaul going, I too was once a gay. <laughs> it's like the funniest line reading ever. So good. Um, okay. Number three, Saving Face. One of the greatest rom-coms of all time. Amazing. Number two, Moonlight. Amazing, really tough watch. I did not watch this again because uh, I just didn't want to because it's very tough to watch. Uh, and number one, Portrait of a Lady on Fire because it's the only masterpiece that has been made since Schindler's List. And of course that's number one. There's no reason for that to not be number one. It is a masterpiece. It is a Shakespearean tragedy written into a movie and... Me and Danny have talked about this so much. We love this movie. It is a perfect film. And capital F. And you know, th there's seriously not been a movie made like that since Schindler's List. And that's why it's my number one. And I am I love about Rachel. Why Fire? is it so loved? <laughs> <laughs> I we I, need to rewatch it. We watched it like the, well, well, we did yeah. watch it like bootlegged. Yeah, because sure. it, we couldn't find it anywhere. We need to watch it again. And also, like they take away your gay card if you don't watch it. I don't know if you know that, but if you don't yeah, watch yeah, Portrait of Lady on Fire, yeah. they're like you're kicked out of the. Pride no, but parade. something I love about Portrait of Lady on Fire is I feel like, uh, present company included, every straight guy I know and love is obsessed with that movie. And I love that this is a queer movie that every straight guy I know loves, and not in a weird way. They just love this. I just it's like. I think that's so fascinating that every straight dude I know loves Portrait of Lady on Fire. I'm like, literally looking, as a movie. like, I'm looking up right now at my wall <laughs> above my desk, and I have a portrait of oh, yeah, the, portrait the portrait of a lady on fire yeah. above me because I love this movie so much, and I it's an don't movie. understand. Rachel, why is it on your honorable benches and not in the it's top It's because tip? I'm a bad I mean, honestly, I do feel like I can look at it from a very emotionless perspective and say, like, it's beautiful cinematography. The acting is top notch. The directing, like, it's very. It's been a long time here. since we've watched it. It's also been a long it. time for like, sure. Like, uh, I think that 
I'm just a bad gay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm bisexual. I'm already on the outs. Um, <laughs> but it's, it also did spawn like that particular brand of movie for me that I'm like, I will not wait 45 minutes for these women to brush paints. <laughs> I definitely like portrait way more than you do. Like I definitely, and I didn't put it on my list cause it was kind of on yours and I was trying to, it's hard to, it was so hard to narrow down to just 10. Like it's oh, yeah. like, I could have listed, I mean, I have a list of like 300 queer movies. Like it's, it's so hard to. To, to yeah, put them down. Yeah, and I do feel yeah. like, for me, that entire movie is worth the last ten minutes. Oh, uh, that last scene. I, like, Danny, I, I do back me up on the, this. That last scene. Oh, yeah. Did it make you ball the, like a little baby? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I, absolutely. I just have to listen to that oh. song now, and I'm immediately back in that moment watching her have this moment. Um, it's perfect filming. I mean, Celine Sciamma's insanely talented it's is, stupid well, yeah she it's her and greta kind of own hollywood oh yeah you have you you like batman and robin and i'm lukewarm on the majority of portrait of a lady on fire because we're all human <laughs> and we all get to make mistakes i definitely think portrait is more of my my alley in terms of my tastes than yours because i do like weird slow foreign films and you do not yeah i think my brain just like <laughs> constantly begging for 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 external stimulation like, why do like why does chasing not. Amy deserve a top ten and Portrait of a Lady on Fire does it? We talked a lot about it in our because episode. Kevin Smith. Ty, there's like 45 minutes of chasing Amy talk, my dude. You're just gonna have to listen. Yeah, to no joke. I don't even know if we can it's, rehash it it's again. It's because I don't. It's I like Clerks, and then everything else is just like Kevin Smith. Like stop. Hey man, you're, you're just gonna have to listen me. to the episode after it comes out. Yeah, I, I think wait, I think that the, the the point of it or the main of it is that it, we we find it to be a misunderstood film that is about bisexuality. That like Kevin Smith, we think fumbled his way into a decent bisexual movie that we both like almost to spite the rest of the queer community because yeah, we're the no, only no one, two no one else queer people that. who like this movie and we stand alone they warn <laughs> so, you away from it there's a little pamphlet like of gay movies that you get when you come and out kissing Jessica Stein. and they're like you have to watch portrait of Lady on fire you do have to watch blue is the warmest color but you don't have to like it <laughs> i'm uh, not watching blue is the warmest color is like kind of like at that point it's just like nah this is just a sex no. thing yeah, no, like, they, people warn you against chasing Amy and kissing Don't Jessica watch Stein. It, you'll hate it. It's just and Ben both, Affleck and a lesbian they're... falling in love with him inexplicably, and you're like, oh, that does sound like it sucks, huh? <laughs> you gotta well, it's Kevin it. Smith, you know. I just There's a lot don't of talk. like Kevin just Smith. Listen to our episode of Rank Kings and we'll see how we feel. <laughs> the only movies on both lists that I gave under three stars was Chasing Amy, just because I don't like Kevin Smith other than Clerks. That's the only Kevin Smith movie I, I like. I have a soft spot for Jersey Girl, which is my great shame. So There you go. Batman <laughs> and, and Robin, the worst Batman movie ever. And then the last on my list of all the movies is The Matrix. It's just... So boring. <laughs> Fucking blasphemy. 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 I'm sorry. When you're gonna bring up the Wachowskis, like bring up Speed Racer, because that's where Wait, I will go listen. to war. Like that movie Had is Speed fantastic. Speed Racer been a little more gay. <laughs> we could have done it. Speed Racer's could, not too yeah. queer though. I'll make that argument. Speed sure. Racer is number one on my milfs of cinema it's, it's, private list, though. Until private list. I could come up with a thesis that Speed I know. Racer is gay. I need to make my milfs of cinema make list public. public but, um, I, Susan Sarandon playing a milf named Mom is is the peak milf of cinema. Yeah, like, there you, you go. Me? Yeah, no, my milfs of cinema list is a piece of art that I keep private on my litter box. Share it with the world. Okay. Too powerful. Well, I think I have a winner. Um, actually, I don't. 
but I'm looking at the list <laughs> right now. It's just so tough. Like, <sighs> Portrait of the Lady on Fire was listed so low, but list A gave me. You almost face. like totally ruined yourself. I'm gonna go list A. List A gave me saving face, and it's like. Honestly, something I will watch every year for the rest of my life because it's oh. so freaking good. So, list A. List A is my winner. <laughs> the secret is, since we're querying this podcast, everybody wins. There doesn't have to be a binary of who wins and who loses. Y'all means all, we baby. We love all the moves. Y'all means hey, all. Honey, I'm so proud of you. I mean, congrats, It's not me. It's Alice Wu all the way. Alice Wu. Oh, my gosh. Yes. It's that movie is just Danny. Please watch this movie like promise. tomorrow. Okay, it's so good. Not tomorrow. It's on the Criterion Channel now. They added it for like Asian American stories or something. Cool. So it's so good. Awesome. It's one of my favorite rom coms. But yeah, that's great. I mean, there were so many movies that I got introduced to. Pride, amazing. Anyone who wants to watch that, please watch it on Amazon Prime. Um, please watch uh, Desert Hearts. I feel like I would like the book Ugh. better than the movie. The movie is a the little book slow. Sucks actually. The book gets a little weird. The book sucks actually. Really? Because <laughs> the movie was cool. like there were parts of it in my review where I was like, I don't think I should be here. Like that scene in the <laughs> hotel room, and I was just like, Yeah, I don't. I shouldn't oh, be watching this. Our favorite scene because she <laughs> because, like. No, she no, no, wait, no, no, no. My favorite, it's the funniest fucking shot in the whole movie when she walks away and she's like, and then she's like having a breakdown in the kitchen and then the camera just pans and Kay is topless in the bed looking like a fucking insane person and then it pans back. Like that's straight out of a comedy movie. Has anyone taken their clothes off that fast? She was wearing (laughs) jeans. She she cannot take off jeans that fast. (laughs) Dead silent. Declothed and in bed in two seconds. It's amazing. Yeah, that uh, was just like, yeah, that's. I no, mean, the book, the book sucks. You can cut all this if you. I don't know. How, I, you we, I don't anything, cut but like, anything. Yeah, let's get into we the, cut nothing here. Well, the book sucks. I'm gonna go on record. I tried to because I was thinking about adapting it to the stage and uh, and the book. It just like meanders a ton, and the movie I think takes all the good parts from the book, makes it into a kind of different piece. The book is like super meandery and weird. There's like, it's like the, mommy issues, but not in a like way. like long ass chapters just describing her job, and I'm like, I don't need forty pages of just what Kay's doing at work. This I need the, the like plot. The lesbian Moby Dick. Uh, it's yeah, it's very, it's very, it's very boring. And I think that the movie took the best parts and made it made it better. The, this is one case where the book is not better than the movie. I also sure. feel like you could make that movie again and make it way better because. It was supposed to be set in the 50s, right? But everyone had feathered haircuts, and it just looked like it was in the 80s. Like, I was so confused for the entire movie. But, yeah, that was great. Fried Green Tomatoes, fantastic book. One of my favorite books ever. The movie was so disappointing. I've read the book twice. The movie is so disappointing compared to the books, except for Kathy. It is hard to to beat the OG fanny flag. Yeah. Well, it's just like, it's like, it didn't like, it's almost like it didn't lead to anything with yeah. the non-Kathy Bates parts, but yeah. like Kathy Bates is just so freaking good at everything she does that it was like those parts were so good. Tawanda. Um, <laughs> I love Kathy Bates. I want her to Kathy be in Bates every rocks. movie. When, when yeah, is Kathy Bates getting her Marvel movie? Like, come on. 
Um, no, don't do that to her. <laughs> Kathy. She needs her schedule she got, free to keep she got, doing the work she's doing. She got stuck in Ryan Murphy land on American Horror Story for a long time. So who knows where she, what she's doing. Uh, yeah, that was so great. Uh, well, I said pride. Yeah, that was good. Rocky Horror Picture Show. If you haven't seen this, find a theater near you that does the real thing and go and see it. Just don't even look up what they do at the movie theater just go in blind because it's so fun the favorite love that edition one of my favorite movies i love just that that weird english humor is like kind of my favorite thing in the entire world so love that uh deb's i watched that so much when i was a kid like a weird wild to me that all these dudes I know watched it as I teens that, on MTV, and I had never heard of it until I was 26. Yeah, it's a bunch of hot girls. And of I'm the gay one. It. <laughs> I should have had that Charlie's movie Charlie's Angels. Teen. It's a bunch of hot girls, dudes, spy yep. shit, and of course I'm going to yes. watch it. Yeah, that's how Rachel uh, describes Benedetta. it. Charlie's Angels, <laughs> but Benedetta. actually gay. Charlie's Angels, the best movies in the world. <laughs> Benedetta, interesting. I love Verhoeven when he does, does weird sci-fi stuff, not when he does... <laughs> It could have been weirder. Nuts. It could have been weirder. Nuns. It could have been way weirder. And he actually did Everybody a very good job. Everybody freaked out. I but have the book that that's based off too. The 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 book where they researched for the movie, and it is one to one. He almost exactly yeah. put everything in the book on screen. So I just watched it, and I was just like, "Yep, okay, that was good." <laughs> but he didn't have you know someone's head blowing up to get into Mars. It's so. no showgirls. You know? I'll give. I'll say that it's. That's my favorite Verhoeven is when he is like, I'm going to make the worst movie ever, all, ever <laughs> fucking made ever. And that's what I want. But yeah, that's that's all I got to say. Danny, please watch Saving Face because it's, it's amazing. You got it. Even though the poster is the worst thing on Letterboxd. <laughs> uh, also watch Pride. Pride is so fun. I'm telling you, you look, you look at the description. You think it's going to be a hard hitting, like, I'm going to make you cry. I'm going to emotionally terrorize you. It's not. It's hilarious. It's so fun. Andrew Scott, my freaking king, is so good in it. Made me cry multiple times. I am gay. I am in Wales. I am oh oh my god. Made me cry so much. (laughs) Goodness. That's our big shame is we haven't seen Pride yet. (laughs) What? It's on both. It's on the list. kind of remind us to watch it because we really should watch it but like i said i'm a bad gay i just think it's so funny that's like your favorite movie out of this whole group and, but it's uh, the one we haven't seen oh my gosh please y'all gotta watch it it's so we, we, fun. we're gonna watch it soon it yeah. is so fun it is a very fun watch Goodness. uh okay wait what why is it <laughs> i don't know i didn't make rachel's list i didn't know she hadn't seen it rachel you could have put portrait lady on fire in that spot and okay, just not gotta relax <laughs> I do, I do, I do feel like Pride was still an honorable not to mention. continue to rub like the lesbian salt and the lesbian wound, but I do feel like Pride will still end up higher on my on my honorable mentions than Portrait. It's very good. It's very French. Uh, that should be the quote of the episode. It's very good. It's very, very French. French. Uh, it's so good. Well, congratulations, Rachel. You uh, you did yes. win this episode. Congrats. My cheeks hurt. Yeah, me too. Uh, okay, we did get a couple emails this week. Uh, oh, the shit. first one is from our friends Callie and Alex. 
they said, hi, Mackenzie, Rachel, and the rankings. We are so excited about this episode. We definitely need to watch more queer movies, so we can't wait to hear your list and add more movies to our watch lists. We decided to only send a few of our favorites this week because, unfortunately, we both haven't seen over 10 queer movies, which I doubt. I think you have. You just don't realize that you have. Have you seen Top Gun? Another <laughs> not edition. <laughs> Top Gun is the one of the gayest movies I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, <laughs> that could have easily gone on someone's list. But they said, we are making it a goal to watch more. Uh, here are some of our favorites. Their movies are Call Me By Your Name, which I mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, Rocket Man, which I love. One of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. I love Rocket Man. So, so Jesus good. Christ, I love that and movie. And Power of the Dog. So, a couple of recent ones. Power of the Dog is lit. I That's thought about putting it there, but I've only seen it once. Such uh, a good movie. I loved it. I never want to watch it again. Yeah. I loved it so much. Never want to watch it. I want you to watch it. Like, I didn't... I watched it in the middle of the day and was like, surely this won't pull me in. And I was hypnotized <laughs> by that Let film. just ruin my whole Tuesday. <laughs> I need you to see it, honey. It's so yeah, good. Yeah, it's you like a... It. You got to prepare yourself because it's kind of going to ruin your entire day where it's just going to be like, well... I love that. It was a good movie and it also freaking sucked <laughs> jane campion you can rule I my love world it i love it yeah it is it is <laughs> internalized violence made external that's that's kind of the whole thesis right yeah, yeah. Uh, and then some of their favorite tv shows killing eve which is one of my favorite shows yeah, yeah. i haven't seen it um yeah but you only haven't seen it because i've said that like yeah you talk too much about it i don't want to watch it so like because i like it say people should watch it that's why you haven't seen it you told me to watch it too many times yeah i get it yeah uh oh yeah i thought about doing tv as my honorable mentions but i i didn't i ended up changing it but i thought about it uh heartstopper which apparently is a new one Uh, meg weber in the discord has been telling people in the mad about movies discord has been telling people to watch it she loves it i haven't seen it yet but apparently it's good seems cute uh euphoria uh which i'm scared to watch I don't think it. I don't watch that show. <laughs> Honestly, I think Euphoria is one of the most annoying things in the entire world. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry. Like I know people Dragging love Euphoria, but it's just like it's like an annoying version of Degrassi, and I just can't. <laughs> it. Okay. Oh, but see, the, the kids these days have to have their own Degrassi. Yeah. We can't. But just, like even like my drug, little brother who's who's a sophomore in high school is just like why like. This is not an experience anyone experiences my age. Like, it's just, I don't know. It's just. Uh, and then their last one is Sex Education, that Netflix show, which I like. Ooh, I, I want to watch that. Rachel yeah, loves that it's show. good. Rachel I actually want to watch show. that. Really yeah. good. That's it on my list. A roller coaster. Uh, and then they say, so excited to listen to the episode. Love, Callie and Alex. Thank you. Um, they didn't uh, send a list for us to No, not that, for us to pick. Not this time. I don't know that Alex... <laughs> But they so Callie and Alex are uh, married, and they often send in each of their own lists that they let us judge. And we've picked Callie's list every time they've done that. I think Alex has started getting mad, <laughs> so I guess they're taking a break this time. Which I don't um, we got another one from Pat, aka Selfie, from the uh, from hey, the Pat. Discord, who's currently waiting on us to finish this episode so that we can start <laughs> playing in Dungeons and Dragons. By the way. Uh, Pat says, Mackenzie and Rachel, congratulations on your new podcast. You're not going to give it back, are you? Which, it's fine. Right. Please take it. You can have it. Uh, yeah, please. We need to have Honestly. a movie podcast, honey. <laughs> yeah, can y'all take it? Honestly, please. Uh, he said, I am not nearly knowledgeable. Y'all act like you do this podcast at gunpoint whenever either one of you talks to me about yeah, it. It's kind of the vibe. We kind of do. Here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he said, I'm not nearly knowledgeable enough about LGBTQ plus cinema but to have a top 10 or a lot to say, but I do want to mention three films in the genre that I loved. Uh, the first one is My Beautiful Laundrette. 
1985 story Whoa! of a British Pakistani young man who works with his boyfriend, Daniel Day-Lewis, in a remarkable That's on my list. performance to reopen a family laundry business. Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah, I haven't heard of it. I've not seen that, but it's been on my list. I yeah, yeah I want to see that movie okay. so bad. Um, Milk. It looks Sean Penn good. stars in a 2008 biopic of Harvey Ooh. Milk, the first openly gay elected Loaded. official in the U.S., a moving story with a tragic ending. I, I went and got dinner with my dad, yeah. and he was very upset milk wasn't on either list. Well, yeah. Yeah, you know, That's here's the thing. We were talking a, a lot in our episode. You'll hear about, like, what straight actors should bring to queer roles, mm-hmm. and that is, like, respect mm-hmm. and love. And uh, Sean Penn doesn't necessarily do that. So I think that's – I love that movie. Uh, but Sean Penn, you know, th- this year is, like, effeminate men are ruining masculinity mm-hmm. and da-da-da-da. Yeah. So, like, my bare it's, hands. it's just, like, kind of loaded. Penn. Like, he's the straight actor who we don't want playing gay. Wait, he's like, are you saying straight white actors are problematic? <laughs> Especially ones like Sean Penn. Are yeah, like, you like sure? There's, there's plenty of straight actors who I love their performances oh, yeah. in queer movies, but Sean Penn, With he gave a great performance then, but now he's being a douchebag. My bare <laughs> hands. Rachel's gonna, Rachel's gonna kill Sean Penn. If on, on men make this world go round. <laughs> Have Penn. you ever tried to fight an effeminate gay man? Because you only do it once. No, they make me feel like shit. I've been insulted by effeminate gay man. And they made me feel like the worst person in the entire world. That's We're not what doing Sean anything. Penn needs. Well, braver than any of us. I bumped Sean into him <laughs> at a bar, and they made me feel like the worst person who's ever lived. Well, were you being the worst person well, who ever lived doing? at that bar? Yeah, what were you doing? <laughs> I bumped. Bar? I was literally like, okay, so every year in college, you would go to New Orleans. I can't believe you're, have to you hate gay people. Wow. Okay. No, no, no. I want to explain this because I love this story so much. Um, uh, my, my, my buddy, his family had like a, an apartment near Bourbon street on, in New Orleans. And we would go there and we would stay there and right across the street was a gay bar and we would go there and get, that's like where we would pregame. We would go there pregame and I accidentally bumped into someone cause I'm a very large man and I accidentally bumped into someone and he went off on me for no reason and just made me feel <laughs> so small. And I was just like. You want to win any war? Just bump in, like, make any gay, put any gay man in the army and just make any country bump into him. Because he made me feel so small. Any gay man? If only (laughs) only we weren't being kicked out, then maybe we could have won some wars. I accidentally bumped into this person. I was just like, I'm... I'm sorry. I didn't like mean to. Like I, like I was like on the verge of crying. I was like, oh my god. I'm so, like I've never had this many insults <laughs> man thrown is, at me for bumping into this you. This man is my hero. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was fun. Listen, if anybody needs, and then to be someone else bought me a drink, so it was good. It was good. Uh, Someone else bought me a drink after that. It's it's all about balance. Wow, I can't believe that this this Pride episode's gotten so uh, anti-gay. Way to go, dude. Uh, Pat's last one is Pink Flamingos. (laughs) The, pa- the classic yes! Devon oh, partnership from 1972 tells the incredible Can story of the filthiest person alive. He that was in that was in that was waters. all capitalized well, as though have, it's a proper noun. I don't a title. I don't. I've never I heard have, of this. Yeah. I have uh, John Waters in my dishonorable mentions. Cause I love Multiple Maniacs by him, but um, Pink Flamingos <laughs> I have not been able to finish. I am not strong enough. I love John. There is a very explicit scene where, like, you see an animal die on screen. And I'm just not quite at the level where I can get through that scene. But I do love, like, everything John Waters stands for. And I love Divine. Multiple Maniacs is amazing. The original Hairspray is amazing. 
Kev and our dear friend Brandon, they went on a huge John Waters journey and like loved it. So John Waters is, is great. He's, Who is yeah. John weird, Waters? He's a kind of weird, fucked up gay filmmaker from the 70s who was known for making like fil- the filth genre of film. Filth core. Filth core. And so like a lot of his movies are like, like the filthiest person alive, like Divine's character is like literally eating dog shit and like doing things because she wants to be the, fi- it would not, Ty, you would hate his movies. I can tell you. Yeah, this doesn't sound great. <laughs> It's very, it's like anti-civility. Yeah, it's very like... It sounds like two women, was, one cup, but a movie. Yes. I yes. Mean, like he was but, in the 70s no, sort of... Yes. He was in the 70s kind sort of, of being like, if you're going to think we're disgusting animals as for being gay, we're going to show you how disgusting we can be. Like that was his sort of mind uh, with the things he made. Um, he did do some more like studio stuff, like the original hairspray you might like, but yeah, his early stuff is very what filthy. What is that quote that Divine has? Uh, Where she like, says, kill everyone kill now. Kill everyone now. Condone first degree murder. Advocate cannibalism. Eat shit. Filth is my politics. Filth, Filth is, is my, my life. life. It's a great quote. That's, it's just, you know. That's it, baby. <laughs> that's that's being gay. <laughs> uh, Yeah. <laughs> Ty, you would hate John Waters' movies, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, it doesn't I think sound both, like... Both, both, both of you would, yes. <laughs> doesn't sound... Yeah. <laughs> something I would enjoy yeah, watching. Like, don't watch Multiple Maniacs if you don't want to see something called a rosary job. I don't think you should. <laughs> I just watched Ty's ass fall out of his body. <laughs> That's the kind of shit he did. It was very shock value shit. And yeah. Goodness. Uh, well, Pat finishes it with hi- Happy Pride Month, everyone. Pat. Sorry, this is going to be the first four-hour episode you've ever had. Oh, no, God, I love it. Um, that was our last email, though. Is there any any final questions, comments, concerns, thoughts that we need to get to before we skedaddle? I don't think so. All right. I think, you honestly, both movies? lists were very I good. I kind of wish I could pick both lists to win because hey, they were no, very there good. There are no rules here. You can I like both, both lists. Matrix was put on the honorable mentions, so I appreciate that. Um, they weren't; it wasn't in the top ten. But both lists are very great. Love it. Just list A, saving face, is like a part of me now. So, yeah. Gosh. Oh, yeah. that's lovely. If you want more queer films, boy oh boy, do I got them. I could oh, give yeah. you. I could give you hundreds if if, if, can, if people genuinely ones, are like, where are more of these? Oh, I've been <laughs> accumulating make them. You- Quick to your core and, and terror. Oh, send them my yeah. way. We're all yeah, about have, it. In the, in the McGowan household, my dad, his church in Galveston, Texas, which is a beach community, always uh, a big supporter during the Pride Month. They always do uh, booths uh, during the Pride Parade and all that stuff. But he's got all of his shirts for every weekend. He's got his Don't Mess With Trans Kids shirt, uh, <laughs> Y'all Means All shirt, uh, Ally. Day. AF shirt, like he is ready for Pride Month. <laughs> I love that so much. Yeah. Robbie's a king. Uh, that makes me so happy. Right, we're ready. Yeah, no, we got we got hundreds more. You're good. And if you want if you want us to make movies that you don't think are gay, gay, we can do that. Yeah, too. we. Yes. I, yeah. yeah, Ty, we, well, we have another episode. I feel like idea. most movies are gay. It's just people don't want to. You just gotta know where to look. Yeah, for people them. don't want to say that they're gay. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I have a tag on my letterbox called But Make It Gay, which are movies that like should be and are almost there, but not quite. Yeah. Like most movies that Sandra Bullock is in. <laughs> are Sigourney Weaver. Like Alien and Aliens should be a gay movie, but 
Yeah. It is. Yeah. It, I thought aliens well, is. Well, they uh, try to make uh, them hook up. In Aliens, they try to make lead. her hook up with uh, one person. But, like, that's a gay <laughs> movie. Alien and Aliens are gay. Listen, if we can't make a guy, if we can't make can't a make guy. guy. If we can't, can't make a guy. If we can't make a guy. Can't make a gay, we'll make a guy. Can't make it by, we'll make it trans. We'll make it all. We'll make it by trans. And we'll make it lesbian. Uh, yeah, Ty, that's a future episode. Is for, for, for a low, low fee of $25 an hour, I will make any movie you give me gay. Honestly, that's a steal. It's, it's a great deal. Uh, yeah, that's a future episode. Is movies that aren't gay, but are gay. Is a yeah, future Top Gun number one. We're going to bring Mackenzie and Rachel back for it. Be Top Gun is number one. <laughs> the original Top Gun. Uh, okay, let's get out of here. Thank you for listening to the rankings. Huge thank you to Mackenzie and Rachel. We asked a lot of you, and this was – you've recorded a three-hour podcast episode <laughs> for a show that's not me, your show, and I, it's so good. Yeah, y'all got to go play, like, D&D, yeah. like, now. This was a blast. Oh, God. Uh, listen, to, listen to Austin Danger Pod. <laughs> listen to Wisteria Gaze. Listen to On Lynch. Listen to the Bat Catalog. If it ever comes Dungeon out again. Yeah. There's so, so much – if you're just – fiending for more Mackenzie Wilkes content. There's a lot of it out there, so go find it. Listen to Awesome Danger <laughs> Podcast. It's the greatest. It's a bit show. And I've added, I'm calling in every week for the horniest moment in every movie that they do. <laughs> so good. Uh, not saying it on the, on, the, on the recording, but our next episode has a lot of horny moments. <laughs> yeah, so many. Uh, please write and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at RankingsPod. Don't forget the double K in the middle. Join our Discord. It's free, and you can find the link in our social media bios or in the show notes here. We will be back with a new episode next week. Until then. No. 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 Not acceptable. This is not okay. Who allowed you to be this beautiful? Who allowed you to be this beautiful? Who allowed you to take my breath away? Call the Who paramedics. No. Nope. Call the police, because there has been an emergency. I can't look right at it. <laughs>